talk radio that you control, 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. You can call in and talk about whatever is on your mind. Tonight we're going to be talking about how much the FBI sucks. <laughs> and uh, by we, I mean in the, with you in the studio tonight, it's me, Bonnie. Riley. And Nikki. We both, Riley and I separately came up with articles about how much the FBI sucks, which is pretty funny, if you ask me, because the FBI just sucks that bad. I mean, that's one of my favorite things to talk about, <laughs> so I'm excited. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to talking about how horrible the FBI really is, because, you know, they've raided this place, broke down some, broke through your windows, and th- flew drones in your house, and we all know they're terrible. Yep. And that wasn't even just the FBI. That was at least, what, like 10 other government alphabet agencies? Yeah. The post office, the IRS, It's kind of weird ATF. that the post office would come. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know what that was about. I still haven't figured out what that was about, honestly. Yeah, that's kind of weird. There was like one person, the postal inspector here from the post office, but still really, really weird. Um, it was like 60-something agents, but it, but it was all directed by the FBI. It was yeah. the FBI's project. The others came along to like support and also do investigations or whatever. All for a man who's still out of prison. Yep. Because <laughs> he's so dangerous. Yeah. Hasn't uh, caused any danger to come to anyone while out of prison. I wonder if we could, not to get too off topic, but I wonder if there's a way to figure out how much that cost taxpayers. Oh, uh, that for would be For like really all of those people to come here and just harass peaceful people. Yeah, that would, be really, that would be really interesting to find out because, you know, I would love to see how much taxpayers were forced to pay for such a raid. I, I'm really interested in that too. I, I have no clue if there is a way, but I don't think it's really that off topic because we're going to talk tonight about a story about how qualified immunity helps FBI agents do whatever they want, just like other cops. Because mm-hmm. all they are are unelected Government cops, federal yeah. government cops. They're just like super cops, yep. basically. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the point. Is they're they're just control freaks and super cops, and we don't get to elect them. So you know, it's it's all it's all insane. And then whenever they do something wrong, well, qualified immunity. So you know, nothing bad happens to them like would happen to a regular citizen. But first, I want to talk about this article from Zero Hedge. It's also about the FBI. It's about the FBI lying, and I doubt anything bad will come to them for lying to the public. It's called, Surprise, the FBI lied about white supremacist memo targeting Catholics, new document reveals. It says, thanks to a less redacted inter- internal FBI document released Wednesday by the House Judiciary Committee. Sorry, I don't think that was beginning. It started above a picture. So when the FBI was busted targeting Catholics in a now retracted leaked document, which said Roman Catholics were, quote, at risk of committing acts of extremist violence, unquote. The agency downplayed it as the work of a rogue field office. Now, thanks to a less redacted internal FBI document released Wednesday by the House Judiciary Committee, we learned that the effort was far more widespread than the agency acknowledged. So basically, in February, I think it was, a letter or a memo, internal memo from the FBI was leaked, and it was saying, oh, watch out for Roman Catholics, because they're more likely to cause extremist 
violence, I think it said. Why Catholics, though? Why not uh, Why not evangelical Christians or why not um, libertarians or why not Democrats or progressives? Why is it Catholics? Yeah, it does feel pretty random. And based on the Catholics that I know personally, I don't like they don't really they aren't any more um, like likely to be violent than any other religion or sect of people. If anything, um, I would call them pretty tame. Yeah, yeah and, and you know what? Uh, a big part of Catholicism, and I'm talking about the people who are hardcore Catholics and they're really uh, living the entire lifestyle. They typically don't vaccinate. They, you know, limit ex- like their children's exposure to hospitals and, you know, uh, pharmaceuticals and stuff like that. Well, careful. They, you're making them sound like extremists I know. to me. Well, and they typically homeschool, so like that's the thing. Like they might be seen as extremists, or you know, like not the average citizen that you know the government wants to exist, right? Like they're not necessarily anti-state, but they're just living their own life, you know, as right and as that, they believe, you know, in the eyes of God. Yeah, and that makes them easy targets for people who say, "Oh, these people are extremely to forcibly make sure that they're complying with all of society." We don't want these kind of people in society, and yet we have Amish in society. We have, you know, yeah. uh, people who choose not to participate in society in various ways. And yet, are they being harassed by the government? And I, I think it can, I don't, I don't want to use the word dangerous, but typically people who have a very strong faith or, uh, you know, very religious people, they tend to, you know, like they're going to do they're going to follow the Bible before they're going to follow the state, right? Like, ultimately, right. like, people who are very, very heavily religious, heavy believers, they are not, you know, they're going to choose God before they choose the president or the government or the state. So that also would kind of pose a threat to the legitimacy of the state, you know? Sure. And while I'm not religious myself, and while I don't believe that in the Christian version of deity, I do believe in people's right to being sovereign over them, their their bodies and be able to say, you know what, I don't want to obey this institution calling itself government over my own sovereign thinking or, or God in the instance of Christianity or, or Islam or, or whatever. That's something Ernie Hancock has been talking about a lot on his show, which is on the Free Talk Live Network every Monday night. Um, just basically the idea that people who have a faith no matter what that faith is and it doesn't have to be you know um one of the big three like christian jewish or muslim or anything like that but somebody who has a faith in something otherworldly they're more likely to resist government indoctrination and uh more likely to not comply with things because they don't answer to god or you know they don't answer to the government a lot of people who are I'm not saying that this is true of all atheists. Plenty of atheists can be libertarians and anarchists. Don't get me wrong. But I do see what he's talking about, that if you answer to something bigger than any other human, then uh, I can see how you'd be harder to control. Right. And to me, I just find it interesting that maybe it's just me, but I've, I feel like and I think I've heard more atheist libertarians here in New Hampshire than religious libertarians. Um, yeah, I, I think the people I know personally, like a lot of the people that live locally to like, say the Keene area are definitely probably more, um, like definitely not Christian or any organized religion at least, 
but some of the other more like family type homesteading libertarians, I guess I'll describe them. Yeah. A lot of those people do tend to have um, some sort of form of Christian faith. I don't know. I don't know if I would agree, Riley. I think that the, the majority of the ones I know believe in some kind of a God or like pow- higher power, but um, that's just me. It, it okay. seems like the only one I can think of off the top of my head that is an atheist is Arya, maybe Chris Wade. I think Arya said she's an atheist. Captain, uh, he doesn't call himself an atheist. He calls himself something else. Agnostic? Yes. I think he calls himself a universal humanist. Hmm. That's cool. I don't know exactly think, what that means, but that yeah. sounds cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think a humanist is basically just, you know, extreme individuality. Every human should be in control of themselves. I'm not sure if that's exactly right. Kind of like sovereign sovereign people. Well, yeah. ca- unfortunately, Captain isn't on the show. I don't know if he's listening, but Captain Kickass, if you're listening, call in and tell us what you believe. If not, well, you can talk about it on some other show. I find that a really fun uh, conversation, like just finding out what other people believe, because yeah. obviously um, there isn't really a way to prove this. It's more something that is individual to each person and, um, you know, feeling people get within themselves. And I think that's what's so great about it. It's one of my favorite topics. Yeah. And isn't it nice to be able to have a conversation like that with someone without it getting heated oh, or yeah. turning into like, I have to convert you to believe because a, a lot of people, especially a lot of people that who believe in organized religion, that is kind of their end goal when they're having a conversation like this. It's not like, oh, I want to explore what you believe in or, you yeah, know. Yeah, they, they want to convert you to their way of thinking because they want you to feel like or they want to feel like they're in the box with you and you get to be in their box with them because their way is the one true way. Well, well you don't have any uh, experience with that, do you, Riley? People uh, who go all over the world and try to convert others well, to their... you know, coming from Mormonism, Mormonism has a missionary program where they send, you know, 18, 19 year old kids out to convert the world to their religion and preach about Joseph Smith and the Book of Mormon and Jesus Christ coming to America. So, you know, I do have experience with that. Yep. I just thought it was kind of a funny thing to say. Yeah. Yep. It's it's great to be able to talk to people who um, just are, have open minds. Um, one thing I think is important, no matter what religion you are or aren't, it, it doesn't really matter as long as you're not going to the government and asking them to control people who believe something different than you do. Yeah, that is the most dangerous religion, is statism. Oh, I, I agree. agree. And, you know, Larkin Rose did a video on that on YouTube. Statism, the most dangerous religion. I agree. Every time you go into one of their courthouses, it's pretty apparent that it's a dark church. <laughs> I, yeah. was, I, I could probably talk about this tonight, too. I went to trial on Monday, and I won. I took my parking ticket to trial that I... Well, the parking ticket was placed on a vehicle in January, and I've had like two hearings in between then. It kept getting pushed back. I just had a trial August. That's how slow the wheels of justice turn. Yeah, they turn really, really slow in America. But basically, the judge threw it out, and we could talk about it uh, because I motioned for it to get dismissed, and he agreed with my motion. It was great. But anyways, I wasn't it just like a $15 parking ticket? Oh, yeah. It was only a $15. Wouldn't it be better to just knuckle down and pay the 15 bucks and have the state stop harassing you? Well, see, I don't agree. I think that more people should just take their parking tickets to trial, especially if they have time. I guess I understand if it's like, I'm going to lose $180 an hour if I don't go to work. Like, I don't yeah. really. Well, 
that that would be crazy. So you know, if you're making hundred eighty dollars an hour, you could probably have, like t- you know have you probably like make your own hours and everything. Anyways, um, I just think that if people took all their parking tickets to trial and made them make you like as another thing Ernie Hancock says, made the government make you pay the parking ticket, um, it would clog up the system so fast and waste their resources way more than if everyone just paid the tickets in the first place. Yeah, and I think people people pay the tickets because they see this institution as legitimate and, well, I committed an infraction against the institution and I got to pay the, the pay the costs or whatever. And it's like a religion. It's like, oh, well, I sinned against this deity calling itself government and I got to pay the price. It's great because I put in a motion to dismiss before the trial, like a week before, asking them to dismiss the judge, asking him to dismiss it on the basis that they never put in any evidence that I fell under the jurisdiction of the city of Keene or their laws. And he, at the beginning of my trial, he said, I'm going to defer, just I'm going to wait to rule on that. And we're going to continue with the trial. And as the trial went on, I made another motion to dismiss because he never put in any evidence to prove that I drove the car or that I was there or that the meter was actually expired. And he dismissed on that case. So he never had to say he never had to give an answer about my other motion to dismiss, because what's he going to say to that? Other than yeah. you're you're under our rules because we say so. Yeah, you're under yeah. our rules because you're occupying the geographical polygonal land we call the city of Keene. Yeah. yeah. Um. Tip and typically, especially when it comes to stuff like traffic, you know, traffic violations, those are pretty. It's pretty low hanging fruit to win in court. Of course, a lot of people, you know, fight it and maybe they don't win. But I've had pretty good success fighting, particularly speeding tickets. Hmm. I apparently have a little bit of a lead foot or maybe I just don't respect the 55 mile per hour you know speed limit where I don't feel like it makes sense and I feel like I can safely drive faster so I've gotten probably upwards of 10 speeding tickets since I've gotten my license well I have won every single one of them nice I recently got one on my way to a prenatal appointment <laughs> and um so this was my first one that I've actually gotten in New Hampshire. So we'll see. It was in Hillsboro. Hmm. So I guess I'll take that one to trial. I, I mailed in my thing. So just mailed waiting. Like, um, the like, ticket. Okay. And yeah. you just wrote that you're intending to. Yeah, there's um there's directions on the back of it. And you it's a little bit different than Massachusetts because in Massachusetts, they want you to mail a check as well, a $50 check to fight it. Uh, but this one specifically said on the back do not mail money Hmm. so i just checked off that i am pleading innocent or not guilty whatever and i mailed it to concord yeah so we'll see let us know whenever if you have a trial i'd like to attend yeah absolutely and uh since we basically completely talked about it i'm working on a video and and it's going to take me a little bit of time probably like the rest of the week if i work on it every single day where i'm putting together from the beginning, like when I went in to challenge the parking ticket to all of the hearings in between and then to the trial where I won, I'm putting a video of all that together and I'm going to overlay like a voice of explaining things. Like mm-hmm. I think a lot of one thing I've noticed that I don't really like about a lot of court activism videos is they just kind of show it and they're like, oh, my God, isn't that ridiculous what the judge said? But no one really explains anything to somebody yeah. who's never been to court because... A lot of people who go to court, they're just like, oh, yeah, this is 
so clear to me because I'm a court activist and I know all this stuff. No, and I do think that's important, especially when you're doing uh, like educational based activism. It is important to realize that everyone might not have the level of understanding that you do and kind of try to, you know, break it down to the lowest common denominator, so to speak, and, you know, like put it in layman's terms. Yeah. And it's it's really nice to see libertarians apply legal theories that they always talk about and get it on camera, because I hear a lot of libertarians talk about these magical legal theories that are going to get you out of um, whatever, your parking tickets or paying taxes. And it's just really nice to see people actually apply it and get it on camera. I'm lucky and relying heavily on the work of past activists in New Hampshire who have gotten the judge to absolutely roll over and allow cameras in. Yeah. Because a lot of times when Ian and them would first start, a lot of times they get really harassed for trying to bring cameras in. Ian had to bring it all the way to the... Supreme Court and get permission so that way the judge can't just tell them you're not allowed to record in here. Um, so yeah, I'm really happy about that because in a lot of states, like Riley said, people will say, oh, I won based on something like sovereign citizen arguments. Not not trying to belittle it. I'm just, you know, stream of consciousness talking. But they'll say, I won my tickets because of some sovereign citizen argument and then when you ask for proof they will just say oh i couldn't record they wouldn't let me record in missouri or whatever and especially with something like that you kind it's nice to see like what did you say i want to know what you said verbatim to the judge because if there's so many things that go into um like presenting yourself in court like a lot of body language and and i'm just like breaking it down to like human psychology yeah um, and like how the the judge is going to perceive you, a lot of that stuff, like how you present yourself, I feel is very important. Like to me, at least like dressing nice, like looking like, you know, being respectful, like a lot of those things I think have helped me in the past. Um, and then just kind of I, I mean, there I guess there's two ways to do it. Like you can either play the game. Um, which is kind of the path that I typically go just because I don't want to deal with a lot of this stuff. So right, I'm just trying right. to win my my ticket and move on with my life. But then there's also like the more activism approach where you, you know, might make different arguments than someone who's just trying to win their ticket. Um, so it really I, I think there's two main ways to do it. And it just depends like what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah, either way, I still consider it activism because you're not just saying Listen, I just don't want to deal with this at all. I'm just going to pay the ticket. It's easier. I don't, I'm afraid to go into court. Like, Ian and I were waiting for, uh, I don't remember what we were in court for because we go to court so often. We just go in and, like, um, record other people's proceedings and stuff like that. Right. And um, there was a woman that went before, I think it was actually for me, but we were waiting for me to get called. So they were doing everyone else in the courtroom before me. So this woman got called up and she said, I'm just going to take the prosecutor's plea deal. And the judge was like, are you sure that you want to do that? And she was like, listen, I just want to, I don't, he was like, because you're entitled to a trial. And she's like, listen, I don't want a trial. I don't want to come back in here. And he was like, I'm not sure if you've thought this over. And she's like, I don't need to think. I just, oh, no, 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 dude, dude, take it to trial. Let's, let's make them work for their money. She was just afraid. Like that. I, I mean, just that phrase alone, like, I don't need to think. That yeah. is the first red flag there. And yeah, I get that's it. that's really hard. You know, I've had, I don't want to like, you know, be dramatic and be like, oh, I've had panic attacks going into court. It sucks getting pulled over. You know, it's, it's, I have, you know, extreme anxiety interacting with police. I don't 
tip, like this isn't my form of activism that I like to do. Um, you know, it is very nerve wracking to present yourself in front of a court. Like that oh, can be scary. I'm sure it is. So oh, yeah, yeah. Like I, I completely get that, but. I mean, the judge, it sounded like he was kind of trying to give her not really advice, but like, hey, reality check, like think this through. And she's just like, I refuse to use my brain and I'm scared and I'm just going to roll over and die. That's how badly she didn't want to have to. She said this. She said, I just don't want to have to come back here. Yeah. And I can understand that fear and that concern because, you know, court court can be long. Court can be boring. How are you going to defend yourself? And if you and got miss work, yeah, and it's just so easy to say. I just want to pay it and 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 plead guilty and just throw myself on the mercy of the court. Yeah, it's just interesting because my family, I guess, probably like my parents and my older sisters, always told me like if you get a speeding ticket or anything like that, always fight it because what's the worst thing that can happen? Yeah, you you lose, you lose, and you have to pay the fine anyway. So. Yeah, exactly. So like either way, you're probably going to have to pay the fine. It might be another 25, 50 bucks to take it to court and and fight it. But if you have the chance to to win and not only not have to pay it, but you know, screw screw the state out of money and not have those points on your driver's right. record, like I would have gotten my license taken away several times over if I just paid all these tickets, you know what I mean? Yeah. A lot of people get sentenced or whatever to have to go take classes, which take more of their time, things like that. Yeah, it's not worth it, honestly. So generally try to not take the plea deal, but I can understand if there are cases that there are situations when people feel like they need to take the plea deal for whatever reason. Yeah, I'd say generally shouldn't just take the plea deal. Uh, The one thing I didn't get to do in this case since I won and it got dismissed was I didn't get to tell the judge if I lost... Um, and he tried to make me pay the fine. I was just going to tell him, I'm not going to pay the fine. So I didn't get to do that yet. So I yeah. wonder like what happens in that case. Cause I've never seen that happen or it's never happened to me. Ian's done it. Basically they just will be like, okay, okay. Then you say, I'm willing to go to jail and they say, okay, never mind. Just do some community service or something. But yeah. have you had any experience taking uh, things to court for activism? 603-283-6160. It's free talk live. Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. In addition to being one of the world's first cryptocurrencies, Dash was the first crypto project to have a decentralized autonomous organization that to this day continues to improve and promote Dash. Every month, 10% of the mining rewards go into a treasury. Anyone with one Dash to spend can put forward a proposal to the Dash masternodes to vote on. The masternodes vet the proposals and decide which ones move forward and are funded by the Treasury. In fact, that's exactly how we got this sponsorship. Nowadays, DAOs are plentiful, but Dash paved the way by doing it first, nearly a decade ago. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash.org.
Facebook Live, talk radio that you control. If you'd like to call in and get in on the conversation we're having or bring up whatever's on your mind, 603-283-6160. That's the number for you to call. 603-283-6160. And in the studio with you tonight, it's me, Bonnie. Riley. And Nikki. And we've been talking so far about how the FBI sucks and how the government is the worst religion, the most dangerous religion. It's a cult. It's really a cult. So if you believe in government, you believe in a cult. And Riley really knows a lot about cults. Yeah, I do. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, we've also been talking about taking parking tickets and things like that to court as activism. And my video about that will be out on Freaking really soon, like maybe in a week or two. But first, we were talking about an article on Zero Hedge about the FBI lying, which is super surprising to everyone that the FBI would lie. I'm shocked. I can't even believe that. I can't either. I thought the FBI was the most honest organization on the planet. Yeah, I mean, that's what they taught me in public school. Yeah. They're targeting a really surprising class of people, calling them extremist, violent people. It's the Catholics, and I just find that really weird. So we're going to get into why they were doing that and then lying about it. Basically, in February, I mean, a a whistleblower leaked a heavily redacted January report from the FBI's Richmond office. Quote, interest of racially or ethnically motivated violent extremists in radical traditionalist Catholic ideology almost certainly presents new mitigation opportunities, unquote. I guess that was the title of it. The document defined radical traditionalist Catholics as those who attend Latin Mass and, according to the FBI, adhere to anti-Semitic, anti-immigrant, anti-LGBTQ, and white supremacist ideology. Honestly, I'm not going to lie. How is this any different from being anti-Semitic themselves? You know what I mean? Like, obviously, like, anti-Semitic is, you know, referring to Jewish people, but it really sounds like this is discriminatory against, you know, a group of people. It does. And, you know, we know what happens when this happens in history. We've, We've seen the Holocaust. We know the results of that. And why are we allowing the the biggest, most tyrannical government and their police arm to tar- target another group of people? I don't think that it should be happening. I think that the government, I mean, the FBI should be disbanded. No one ever elected them, and they don't seem to do a very good job. They're definitely not transparent, as this article points out. Well, they're also a political weapon, so there's that, too. Yeah, but without them, how would people will be able to go after their political enemies. You're right. Yeah. The document defined... Oh, I already put that. Well, what well, you said, Nikki, how is it any different than anti-Semitics? It's funny because the word Semitic, I've heard, actually has to do with people from like the land known as Israel. Okay. But people use it all the time to talk about people being against that religion. Like, you can say... Yeah, it basically like means you're a Nazi. Like, that's how people use it. Yeah. You can say, listen, I have nothing against like people being ethnically Jewish. I just don't agree with the religion. And you'll still get called anti-Semitic. And that's what I don't yeah. understand. Um, and it's interesting because it's like you can talk badly about any other religion. But the second you say something bad about Ju- like Judaism, then it's, you know, then you're, you're racist and you're anti-Semitic and all this stuff. And like, don't get me wrong. I... 
I don't like to make a habit personally of trash talking other people's beliefs in religion. Like, I think people should be able to believe in yes, whatever they want to I believe agree. in. Yeah, I absolutely and, agree. And, you know, worship the way that they like to as long as it's not hurting other people. Um, But it's just a, definitely a double standard. Right. But it's really funny that in this one document, they're defining people who are radical traditionalist Catholics as people who attend Latin Mass. Like... And then in the same article, they're talking about how bad it is to be anti-Semitic. You're right. There is no difference. And it's really a double standard. It is. It's a double standard. And, you know, the government is great at doing double standards. So based on what the Wall Street Journal editorial board called half-baked open source reporting from liberal news outlets to justify their investigation, that that's why they, um, I, I don't understand what that was supposed to mean. So the FBI headquarters quickly said the report didn't meet its exacting standards and has been withdrawn. FBI Director Christopher Wray, who was there at the Waco uh, fire bombings, and he stood in front of a pile of corpses with like a smile on his face, holding some kind of a trophy. Christopher Wray, the FBI director. That's a little creepy. He told the Judiciary Committee in July that the report was a single product by a single field office. He added that as soon as I found out about it, I was aghast and ordered it withdrawn and removed from FBI systems. <laughs> and he, I wonder if he's just making a PR move right there. Oh, he definitely is because apparently he's lying. And it says, and he said he began an internal probe. On July 25th, the FBI finally provided the committee with a less redacted version of that Richmond document. The report says that its information on Catholics was primarily derived from an FBI Richmond contact, an FBI Portland liaison contact who informed on a subject who gravitated to traditionalist Catholicism and an FBI undercover employee who reported on a subject who attended a Catholic church in California. The FBI's Los Angeles field office, meanwhile, initiated an investigation into one subject while the Richmond office coordinated with the agency's Portland office to to prepare the field report. In other words, it wasn't just the product of a single field office, as Ray had claimed, but was instead a widespread effort among several offices. What's more, the journal calls out the FBI's troubling decision to redact the roles of the Los Angeles and Portland offices from the original version of the Richmond document it provided to Congress in March. The agency defended the earlier redactions due to ongoing criminal investigations, which is a common um, cop-out, like literally cop-out for cops. They will say, sorry, we can't give any more uh, information or be any more transparent because it's an ongoing criminal investigation. Yeah, and it just gives them an excuse to not tell us what's really going on. That's absolutely what it is. They might appear to fire some people, but they'll either suspend them with pay or, you know, bring them back at some point. It says, yet as the journal, I think the Wall Street Journal, asks, what changed from March until July other than a threat of contempt from the Judiciary Committee? It's hard not to conclude that the Bureau was trying to hide the breadth, the breadth, of its Catholics as Radicals investigation. In a Wednesday letter, Jordan asks Ray to amend his July testimony to fully explain the nature and scope of the FBI's assessment of traditional Catholics as potential domestic terrorists. 
And that's basically it. Basically, the FBI got caught lying actually to basically a court. I don't, I don't know if they're really considered a court, but they're allowed to um, Congress. Is co- Congress considered a court because they got threatened with, um, what's the word? I don't see it here. They got threatened with, what's that thing where if you don't like the court system, the judge can put you in jail? Contempt of court? Contempt. For, thank you. Yeah. So, oh, the Judiciary Committee. So I guess that you can go to jail or something for contempt of the Judiciary Committee. And the FBI seemed to has, seems to have lied to the ju- Judiciary Committee. Huh. I, I don't think the FBI is going to go to jail, but, you know. The, exactly. The, the government people get, in a, get a pass, even if it appears like they're getting a slap on the wrist, you know. What do you think would happen to one of us if we... We're being interviewed in front of the Judiciary Committee for something, and we lied to them, and then it was proven. Oh, I'm pretty sure we'd be locked in a cage. But the reason that that doesn't happen is most likely related to qualified immunity. And we have another article here about the FBI from Reason Magazine. It's Reason.com, talking about how qualified immunity may shield the FBI agents who abuse the no-fly list. Now, for listeners who don't know, the no-fly list is a list of people that the government, the so-called government, has put together to say who can fly and who can't fly. So if you're on the no-fly list, and there are people who have been uh, purposely or accidentally put on the no-fly list for whatever reason and not allowed to fly without due process, without being able to you know, face their accuser. And this is an abuse of government power. This is put in, I need to remind people, this is put in during a Republican administration. This is put in for the conservatives listening out there. This is put in under your favorite president, George W. Bush. It was part of the Patriot Act, correct? Absolutely. It was part of the so-called Patriot Act. It was a definite abuse of power. I remember in 2004, for when I was out of high school talking about things like this and being really upset that these things are happening. And, you know, it just seems like people ignore the Patriot Act, but, you know, the Patriot Act still exists and the government still has its power, but no one seems to really care anymore. I like that you're pointing out that the no-fly list itself is an abuse of power. Absolutely. It's a abuse of the, at least the Fourth Amendment, because the Fourth Amendment is when you kind of reference there, um where you have the right to not be a part of sweeping searches and seizures, or it's a due process. The Fourth Amendment is about due process. Basically, you can't just... Unreasonable searches and seizures, yes. Yep, and and just due process in general, like common law, you shouldn't be punished before being found guilty in front of a trial. Like, the people who are on the no-fly list, a lot of them... Have no they they found out they couldn't fly and then they're like wait why they have no idea yeah. why a lot of the times you find out when you're at the airport trying to board the plane yep imagine that- imagine that you're getting ready to go see your your loved ones your family or your friends or your significant other and all of a sudden the TSA uh the TSA says uh we have you on the snow fly list you can't fly and sometimes I and you know Riley you touched upon it earlier sometimes it's just seemingly by mistake my aunt and my cousin got put on the no-fly list and you might you know some of the listeners might be thinking like oh well they're related to nikki so maybe they you know (laughs) were doing something crazy doing some activism whatever no not at all like not these kind of people this was like probably like 10 15 years ago they 
really the only time they flied was to come, you know, back up here to visit family and then they'd go back down south to go home. Like that was the only, they didn't really, you know, fly frequently and it was just completely random. My aunt and my cousin and then my other two cousins weren't on the no fly list. So then they were kind of like, well, we have these plane tickets and like, we're supposed to go up to, you know, up north to see our family. (laughs) Like, what do you expect us to do? I do believe it got resolved, but it's still a huge pain in the butt for people who didn't do anything wrong and to just put somebody on a no fly list for, you know, no reason with no due process. It's just, I, it's hard to believe that that is happening still. Nikki, your story illustrates the point that the American people still are unaware that this is happening in America and this abuse of power is still happening in America and yet no one is screaming about it. Yeah. yeah. No one, is, no one is storming into the White House, dragging out Biden and saying, dude, what are you doing in America? What are you doing in your so-called office of power? You're not saving America. You're not giving anybody any more freedom. You're destroying, you're destroying people's liberties. And this has happened under Bush. It's happened under Obama. It's happened under Trump. These people aren't here to save you. They're here to keep the power perpetually going. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of people don't even know about stuff like this or don't care about stuff like this until it happens to them or someone close to them. Right. Right. I agree because I was actually going to ask you guys if you've ever met or or if you know of anyone in real life who was put on the no-fly list at all because I never have. um, Just my aunt. And they were taken off and it was, it seemed like, I don't know how it happened. It just seemed like they kind of had a common last name. So I don't know if it was something like that, but you know, it was resolved, but I don't know anyone personally who like actually cannot fly still to this day. Yeah. I don't know anyone personally either, but I've heard stories. Yeah. I wanted to ask because I mean, if, uh, I mean like. We're activists in New Hampshire and none of us know any except you said your cousins and then it got resolved. It, it just seems to me like if it's not that common, I bet the average person, one, doesn't know about it or two, wouldn't care because it doesn't affect them. Well, I, I think people know about the no fly list, but they're like, oh, good. That's just for terrorists. Right. Yeah. That's, like, that's that's what people think. They're like, oh, well, I don't really care. But people, people don't care because they don't think it can happen to them. Same thing with police brutality. It's like, well, you know, I don't really care that, you know, police are shooting other people because, you know, well, they must have done something like they must have been yeah. asking for it. Like people black people must be asking for the crimes yeah. committed against them by police. We just we just need to stop believing Black Lives Matter. No, that's not the case. Black Lives Matter. We need to remember that police violence is is happening in America. People are being shot by police every single day. Yeah, it's disgusting. Um, and it, it is a little disheartening that people don't seem to care about this stuff until it happens to them. But Nikki, I'm a law-abiding citizen. I don't have to worry. Well, and that's the thing. And it's like, well, you know, people <laughs> think that until, you know, the police break down their door in a no-knock raid. Oh, guess what? But they're they're not even at the right house. Like you <laughs> literally didn't do, you know, you're they they're at the wrong house and they shoot you in your bed while you're sleeping. Or they this shoot has literally happened to people. Yeah. yeah, or they come, they shoot your pets. Um and then after they're like, "Oh, wow, that is the wrong house." Like that's really awkward. Oh, we're sorry so guys. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Qualified immunity. Yeah. You know, they're so not going to jail for that. You can't sue them. You can't do anything to get some help from the government and it's just so silly that people still hold this agency as 
something so powerful and so good. Yeah, and it seems like a lot of the people that are targeted by the state and are targeted by police don't always have the means or the resources to kind of fight back. Like, we know a lot of, like, libertarian anarchist type that, like, this is their life. They just do activism and, like, you know, that's what they do. Uh, But most people don't really even know where to begin when they are wronged by the state like how do you resolve that how do you you know like how do you sue the state how do you sue your city or your town you know it's like yeah the police department like people don't know how to even begin to hold these uh people accountable yep the average person definitely doesn't and that that's like one thing i love about being in new hampshire is i wouldn't even know how to take a parking ticket to trial before i met ian i've just never had a parking ticket well no i had a parking ticket once and i just paid it because i thought that's like my only option i i never even knew you could contest one yeah um and And, then when you find out when you and when you find out you can contest your parking ticket you're gonna do like yeah let's do this all the time right and the next thing is maybe somebody does know you're allowed to contest their parking ticket but where do you go do you yeah. know where you go if it, if you get one in Keene? I only know because Ian told me that you go to the Central Square. I forget what it's even called. The Town Hall or something like that. Yeah, probably City Hall. C- city Hall. Yeah. Um, I guess Keene is a city. But um, that's the thing. A lot of people don't even know where to begin. And if you don't have like a friend group of activists, it's going to be a lot more complicated. Like, yeah. Try Googling these things. It doesn't it's easily hard, pop yeah. up. Um, And it's interesting. I was telling somebody else this the other day. Um, Like I said, I've probably gotten like over 10 speeding tickets in the state of Massachusetts. Uh, And when they give you your ticket, they say, okay, they they, they explain to you, this is how you pay it uh, or directions on the back, whatever. If you would like to to fight this in court. This is what they do. This is what you do. But when I got pulled over in New Hampshire, I was not given those instructions they oh, were just like or he was just like oh that's how you pay it like directions to pay it are on the back he didn't even give me the option yeah. to like oh you can fight this he didn't even tell me but yeah. in massachusetts every single time i got any sort of ticket they said you have the right to fight this and this is how you do it so i thought that was kind of interesting that and, and maybe it was just the cop like wasn't doing the correct thing like maybe that's part of his speech that he's supposed to do or part of his script Mm -hmm. um and he didn't do it did you film your encounter with the police no i didn't yeah well let's try and get in the habit because i think it's important yeah i mean um yeah i just think it's you know for your own protection i i would i just haven't been pulled over in new hampshire i i really believe that if you have a bunch of free stater Bumper stickers on your car, they won't pull you over because they don't yeah. want to deal with you. Yeah, I know. They know you're going to bring out your cameras. They know you're going to start asking them questions and be like, you know, do you have reasonable, articulable suspicion that I'm committing a crime? Am I being detained? Am I free to go? You know, questions like that. And a lot of people don't even know how to do things like that. Like you brought up police violence, police shooting people um, all over the country. People don't even realize that police aren't supposed to be punishing anyone for any reason a lot of people will say oh well he probably had a reason to get shot even if a police officer witnessed somebody murder someone technically according to law and due process they are not allowed to grab the person and kill them and they're only allowed to 
kill someone or use force against them to stop them from doing something or if they have a warrant to arrest them or or they have a reason to arrest them they can grab them but they can't punish someone all their job is supposed to be is to take the person put them in jail get them in the system so that way they can have their day in court even if the cop witnessed the murder or something and obviously couldn't stop it yeah it's just it's such a joke because i've worked in the nursing field for a few years now and in the hospital we sometimes deal with people who are either intoxicated confused whatever that become very violent i have been kicked in the head by patients i have i have been physically assaulted by patients on a number of occasions i've had people verbally assault me like nurses get put through the ringer i imagine they you know do. like a, a ton of times whatever uh and i have never once hit a patient back i have never once yelled at them or disrespected them like i and most nurses i know uh are able to conduct themselves in a professional manner even when maybe I'm fearful of my safety, I've never once thought, I wish I had a gun so I could shoot this person. Yeah. Or, you know, like sometimes it's like, okay, maybe get them in restraints or do something to protect yourself and those around you and maybe even the patient themselves, um, whatever. But never once, I don't think any like doctor or nurse was like, oh, I wish I had a taser or a baton so I could beat this person because they're frustrating me or they're being violent or unruly. Like, well, So it's a just a completely man, different mindset. What if a black man was running away from you? Wouldn't you want to shoot him in the back of the head as a nurse? I, yeah, that's ridiculous. I would just let him go. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> so it's stuff like that, that it's like, yeah, it's hard to respect them for being like, oh, I was scared and I was just defending myself. I'm sure you scared for your life too. Yeah. Maybe. Someone, you're shooting someone that is unarmed. What a joke. And that's the thing. It's like, okay, and then this person's qualified to be a quote unquote police officer and, you know, protect and serve the community. If you're such a little baby that you're afraid of someone who's either running away from you or is unarmed or whatever the situation is to the point where you have to use, you know, fatal force and kill them or shoot them or whatever. I mean, that's pretty pathetic. And those those kinds of people, I don't think, are qualified to be police officers or any sort of security. It's yeah. been proven that a job I, a 100-pound woman who has never owned a gun, I, I used to have this job. It's been proven that the job of a food delivery person is more dangerous than the job of being a police officer, but they still like to claim, oh, my job is just so dangerous. It's it's so scary out there. You don't even know what it's like. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. It's yeah, it's it's really disgusting and it's it's embarrassing for them. It is. And I think more people should not respect police officers Ultimately, because I don't think they're worthy of respect. I think it's just an excuse that they were scared. I think that jobs like this will get the attention of someone who wants is a psychopath and wants to harm other people or wield power over other people. And that's why so many police officers will end up abusing people because, well, that's why they were... Uh, drawn to this position in the first place. Yes, the same thing with politics. I mean, power attracts these kinds of people. You don't hear about nurses or food delivery people abusing people as often as you hear about police abusing people because, well, they wouldn't have signed up to be a food delivery person or a nurse because they didn't find that, uh, they didn't see that little opportunity, oh, I'll get to hit people. Well, 
I guess some nurses have been like poisoning people, but I don't. I still don't. Think I also it's don't as, think that's like super common. Yeah, I was gonna say I still don't think it's as common. <laughs> I as, think that was like a couple psychopaths, right. You know, compared to like the majority of cops, right? <laughs> and psychopaths do happen. It's just you know they're not as common as the police. Yep, I, I think that you can be a secondary psychopath, basically like. Um, trained by society to be be a psychopath well what do you think 603-283-6160 it's free talk live on free talk live we're bringing people to the ideas of liberty every day from wrestling superstars like glenn jacobs you guys really are having an impact i believe like i said uh, a lot of where i am now is due to listening to free talk live you changed my mind on some very important issues years ago to random people tuning in on the radio i was kind of stuck in the left right paradigm i heard your show by chance on a saturday night from there i went on joined the free state project and become an amplifier so i mean that's really the reason why i amp is uh because I know that if it wasn't for you guys being on as many stations as you are, I never would have found the ideas of liberty. You can help more people hear the message of liberty by joining Free Talk Live's AMPS program on Patreon for as little as $5 a month. And you'll get access to special perks. Visit amps.freetalklive.com, amps.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live. Radio that you control, 603-283-6160. That's the number to call in if you'd like to get in on our conversation or bring up whatever's on your mind, 603-283-6160. In the studio with you tonight, it's me, Bonnie, Riley, and Nikki. And so far tonight, we've been talking about the FBI sucking, cops and the FBI not having to get in trouble when they do things like lie to a court or abuse their powers. Like we're going to talk about some FBI agents that are not going to get in trouble because of abusing their power relating to the no-fly list. We also talked about that tonight. The no-fly list is a probably unconstitutional, or it seems to be an unconstitutional thing that George Bush uh, Jr. or whatever mm-hmm. um, implemented in the Patriot Act. It seems to be, to me, that it violates the Fourth Amendment, probably among other amendments, but ultimately it's not really important to me that it's unconstitutional, that I'm just kind of speaking normie speak. To me, it's important that it no one has the right over another person or over the airplane companies themselves to tell them that they can't let somebody fly on their airplane, really, or they don't have the right to prohibit someone from traveling, but then again, it could be argued, well, we're not prohibiting someone from traveling. We're just prohibiting them from flying on an aircraft. That's the thing like, oh, it's a privilege. Like, same thing with driving. Oh, it's a privilege to drive on the government roads. <laughs> like, well, really, is it? Well, the 
airplane, I mean, the airlines are like almost government at this point. They're so highly regulated. They just capitulate to whatever the governments tell them to do. Oh, yeah, it absolutely is. I mean, they own the sky and the airwaves. Like, they own everything. Can you imagine owning the sky? That's quite that's quite powerful or, right there. I should rephrase they think they do, <laughs> and they yeah, will kill so you if you say otherwise. One of my favorite conspiracy theories is that if you've ever heard of, I can't remember what's called. I think the Hindenburg. It's a. It was a big blimp that would be like, um, basically the types that you see go over um, football stadiums with yeah. a message on them. Well, it was a huge blimp. And it was a prototype, basically, for, like, they were like, oh, we can use this as commercial travel. And it on its maiden voyage, kind of like the Titanic, it went off to fly and it caught on fire in front of a whole bunch of people, including, um, like, reporters. They were like, oh, my gosh, this is happening right in front of me. It's, it caught on fire. It's falling to the ground. This is so terrible. I mean, obviously, it was terrible. But one of my favorite conspiracy theories is that that was made to happen on purpose because it would be so easy for people to fly those things around that you it wouldn't be as difficult as an airplane so you would be able to fly it around your you like one day people would all have their own blimps even smaller versions of them and they could just slowly float up and over across town instead of having to drive and so they wanted to make it scary so yeah they had to make it seem dangerous yeah we need this regulated we can't have people just flying around we need the government to control all vehicles flying in the air and, uh, yeah, that's just one of my favorite conspiracy theories. But we have someone on the phone. We have Sarah. You're in New Mexico. What's on your mind, Sarah? Oh, yes. Speaking of government regulating um, um, the airways, that you know that they have self-driving taxis now in San Francisco and Atlanta. So... You know, and then there's another city they have self-driving taxis. So the whole point is that a lot of people are afraid of they're going to lose their jobs. So what? I mean, when that I mean, people are people will lose their jobs. But, you know, the nice thing is that they'll find other jobs and jobs are not jobs are not finite. We can always find new jobs for people, whether it's. You know, running the taxi service and making sure all the taxis are getting to the right place by computer or, you know, making sure all the taxi cabs are charged. There are people that will find jobs for themselves and making sure the economy keeps running. Yeah, so that's not necessarily my issue with stuff like this. I get really, like, I'm real weary of the self-driving cars and I, I just don't feel like... I I wouldn't get into one of them, and I don't necessarily feel safe being on the road. I mean, you know, you'll have people that are impaired or people that are bad at driving. So, like, either way, there is a risk there, but I just don't – it just doesn't seem like a good idea to me, So, for me, the the big concern about self-driving vehicles, if I were to ever own one, which I'd love to, the big concern is who's who can access the computer and hack it? And send me off the road somewhere else. Yeah, I'm also very uh, basic when it comes to my machinery. So I like to buy old cars, old motorcycles. I want to be able to work on it myself. If it breaks down on the side of the road, I want to be able to look up a YouTube video on it and fix it myself. You can't do that with these new cars with all of their computers. 
and you know like there's tracking tracking devices and that's not even a conspiracy theory like that's true like all the gps stuff in your car that is technically a tracking device so there's a lot of stuff that i'm just not a fan of if it that was are less in new cars regulated it would be possible for a self-driving computer electric car any of those things to be open source so that way like someone like riley who can't see so he can't drive would be able to get a self-driving car and not worry about you know the government being like you know what we're just gonna drive you into off a cliff or something like that sure yeah. and, or or if i knew programming enough i could look at the how the car was programmed to say okay this this particular line of code is a little concerning to me how do i fix it yep or just choose to go with a different one that their coding is better something like that but the thing about it is it's so regulated and uh, they give companies the ability to, well, I, I do think companies should be allowed to use closed source software, or is that what the word is, closed source? Well, not open source software if they want, but you could also choose, you know what, I'm not going to go with that company because they don't use open source software and I can't see their code. I'm going to go with this company, but there's just so many regulations that they're, it, the market isn't open enough for just anyone to get in and start a car company. Well, Sarah, what's your problem with the self-driving cars? Uh, you know, the only problem I have is that, you know, New Mexico, we're going to be the very last state again. We're going to be like the very last one to adapt self-driving taxi. That's what's upsetting me. I can't be one of the top three cities that have these because nobody could drive here and everybody drives drunk. I don't care about all this, um, you know, software um, and computer glitches and stuff like that. I'd rather die from that rather than get killed by a drunk driver. Or uh, what's the difference? So if you're dead, you're dead. About. What would the difference be? Well, the the thing about it is I'm tired of getting killed by uh, drivers that are talking and texting and speeding but and all Sarah, that stuff. But Sarah, you haven't been killed by any of these people. Yeah, but you know what? I mean, getting killed by a computer mistake would be a better option <laughs> than running for my life from all these people blowing right through the middle of the roundabout. See, you know? this is where I would disagree with you, Sarah. I, I, I think either option is horrible. Like, I'm not interested in either option, but at the same time, you know, someone behind the wheel might have a little more control over a vehicle than a computer glitch. And whether they're drunk or not... you don't know not, Mexico drivers. You, you've never lived here to deal with the Albuquerque drivers. But, you know... You would, you would have a different perspective. Like, maybe, I would want a self-driving car. Maybe, maybe, or maybe not. Maybe I would be like, well, maybe, maybe people just need to learn how to be responsible. I kind of want to go to New Mexico just to do some pedestrian tourism hmm. because I really need to know like what Sarah's talking about because if be she's fun. this passionate about it like it must be like this must be serious. I well thank you for the call Sarah. I absolutely agree <laughs> with Sarah that the drivers in New Mexico are terrible and I don't think it'd be very fun to take a New Mexico pedestrian tour. <laughs> <laughs> But we're going to go walk around and like go to the grocery store and the well, homeless shelter and stuff. In order for this to be really good, Nikki, you would have to spend more than just a day or two. You'd probably want to spend a month or two or three. And you'd yeah. feel trapped in New Mexico. But the thing is, what I don't understand about Sarah, I did hang up on her so she can't answer this, is why doesn't she see any other option as a solution? Like, it's always control other people's behavior. I mean, 
maybe she's not asking the government to control someone's behavior in this instance, but I don't know. She's mad that her city isn't the first to implement uh, self-driving cars. Maybe if she hadn't spent her whole life egging the government on, like bring on more regulations, bring on more laws and stuff like that, then someone else could have already came into the market with self-driving cars that really worked and were reliable and wouldn't kill you from a computer error. But no, Sarah just wants the government to keep its, you know, boot on people's necks. Or she believes that the government keeps order, which, you know, some people do believe that. She believes that no matter how many things to the contrary that you put right in front of her, she doesn't change her mind. We have another person on the line. Major Payne in Michigan, you're on the phone. What's on your mind? Well, now another person that doesn't agree with anything. I thought, I thought maybe you were talking about Jerome for a second. I didn't know you were going to put me on. Oh, I don't think um, I said you don't agree with anything. I think I just said we have a different person on the phone. Anyway, um, let's see. Well, let's see. Let's go back to the the uh, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. Isn't that what the Mormons call themselves? Yes, it is. Yep. All right, so I got a funny story about one time these youngins trooped up to my house. And I was living on a cul-de-sac, right, a little court. So it's not like I'm on the main drag. They were um, covering the neighborhood, so to speak. So they knock on my door, and they give me their spiel, and they hand me this little pamphlet. And I says, well, come on in. I think there was three of them. They were all, you know, like you said, 18, 19 years old. And I had a nice kitchen table set up, like six, eight chairs. And I said, well, have a seat. So they pulled back the chair and sat. And I went to the cabinet and grabbed out a claw full of shot glasses and a whiskey bottle. (laughs) (laughs) And I started pouring shots and shoving them around. And I says, what do you boys want to do? Drink or talk? And they just all looked at one another and were totally (laughs) befuddled. Oh, man. They said what? They just got up and left like trained penguins. That's mm. funny. That's funny. That's a little uh, disappointing. I would I would hope that they'd at least just say no thanks and then yeah. try to explain. And explain why they don't drink or choose not to drink and talk to you about why they believe the way they do instead of just like, oh, we don't well, want to talk to you we, anymore. We may have had a brief conversation about this. I am a cradle Catholic. I was an altar boy. So the things you were talking about, about the government targeting the Catholics, that kind of, you know, rubs my fur the wrong way. I remember when that all went down. But um, there's, oh, I got breaking news for you in the UP. The U.S. Marshal got shot. There's a dude from Missouri that uh, probably was the parent that wasn't awarded the children in the divorce or whatever the conflict was. And so anyway, I think he got took a couple of his kids from Missouri to the UP, and they finally uh, cornered him, and he shot a U.S. Marshal this morning. So now Whoa. the U.S. Marshal and state police have got the house surrounded and helicopters and dogs and, you know, all wow. the things they do. Are they trying to take his and, kids away? Well, he was just trying to – I don't know what would drive a man to this state, but – it obviously wasn't a good situation. He thought he was leaving him in. Either that or he's a tweaked out meth head. I don't know. Uh, do you know if the police or the marshal died? Uh, no, he got airlifted out and he's going to survive. So there won't be no murder on him. Hmm. Well, still going to be a pretty bad charge. Thank you for the call, Major Payne. 
that's pretty i mean that's interesting i wonder what would drive a person to yeah make I that would decision like yeah. to know more details about i that. would too so hopefully someone knows more well one thing i know is that if the marshal shot him he would have qualified immunity and not get in trouble yeah he would just be dead there just like Sad. the fbi agents who have qualified immunity and won't get in trouble for abusing the no-fly list like we started talking about last segment this is from Reason.com, and the article is about qualified immunity may shield FBI agents who abused the no-fly list, which we pointed out, Riley eloquently pointed out last segment, the no-fly list is an abuse of power itself, and then on top of that, FBI agents are using the list in a way that they're even not supposed to do, but of course they won't get in trouble for that. It says, any inconvenience governments can impose will eventually be abused as a tool of arbitrary punishment. Take, for example, the no-fly list and related watch lists, which are supposed to contain the names of known and suspected terrorists so they can be monitored and their movements restricted. From day one, placement on the list has been misused to punish innocent people who won't do what federal agents command. Now FBI agents caught abusing the system want qualified immunity to shield them from consequences as people they mistreated seek justice through the courts. Following the September 11, 2001 terrorist attack, attacks, FBI agents unsuccessfully attempted to pressure a group of innocent Muslims, including Muhammad Tanvir, to become informants for the Bureau, notes the Institute for Justice, which is a really good group which filed an amicus brief in Tamir versus Tanzan, Tim, or Tanvir. So Tanvir and the others who were all either American citizens or lawful permanent residents declined to become informants. Nice. Because doing so goes against their sincerely held religious beliefs. FBI agents then harassed the group and placed them all on the no-fly list hmm. for not wanting to become informants. That is not how that is yeah, supposed that's to not work. How it's supposed to work. It's supposed to be for terrorists who are supposedly committing acts of violence or preparing to commit acts, not for people who are just saying, "Hey, I don't want to be an informant for you." Yeah, but it sounds like they're using it to retaliate against these people, and that's absolutely terrible. And apparently now they're asking for the the idea. I mean, the defense of qualified immunity to protect them against getting in trouble for that abuse that's really messed up says the center for constitutional rights acts as co-counsels for the plaintiffs alongside the c-u-n-y school of laws clear clinic they sued under the religious freedom restoration act on the grounds that the plaintiffs muslim faith forbids them to inform on co-religionists the defendants fbi agents who put Tanvir and the other plaintiffs on the no-fly list, protested that the RFRA, the um, Religious Freedom Restoration Act, doesn't provide for monetary damages against government officials who violate rights, but the U.S. Supreme Court ruled otherwise in an important 2020 decision written by Justice Clarence Thomas. The next question is whether the law shields federal employees from consequences. After the Supreme Court ruled that the agents could be individually sued, the U.S. Department of Justice argued the agents are entitled to qualified immunity because it wasn't clearly established that their conduct imposes a substantial burden on the plaintiff's rights. It's an illustration of a serious problem with the law, 
Uh, I'm having a little trouble understanding what their argument is. They're saying that they're entitled to qual- qualified immunity because it wasn't clearly established that their conduct imposes a substantial burden on the plaintiff's rights. No, that is ridiculous. Yeah. So does- they're saying like, oh, well, we didn't, you know, like hurt them bad enough, so mm-hmm. we should be covered. It's like just that the doesn't no make any. List. That doesn't make any sense, though. I mean, like anything you do to someone that goes against their rights, I would think would be punishable. And to me, like even I don't really believe that qualified immunity should be a thing at all. But typically the argument for it is, okay. well, you know, police officers, maybe they have this really difficult job. Maybe it's dangerous. And um, like the qualified immunity is allegedly supposed to help them do their jobs so they don't have to fear like, Oh, if this person's attacking me and I shoot them and I kill them, like I don't, they don't have to worry about the ramifications of that because it was, you know, it could be proven like that was uh, necessary to do their job and keep everybody safe, whatever. How does that, like to me, that's the only way that would make sense to rationalize why there should be qualified immunity for cases like that. So why should they be like, oh, well, you know, we really didn't harm this person that much, so we should be covered under qualified immunity. Like, that doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to me either. It's like, you know, you're preventing people from traveling without them being notified and being able to make other arrangements. And So you're basically curtailing someone's ability to live life. Yeah, and it was was really unnecessary for them to essentially blackmail. I mean, it's blackmail. That's what it is. And that's the thing. It didn't it didn't save the FBI agents from being harmed or anything like that. All it did was it was retali- retaliation. It, they did it because they could. They were pissed off that these people um weren't, you know, following what they they they're used to people being submissive and doing whatever they tell them to, right? Like they they're used to getting their way and I think sometimes when these cops don't get their way. They do different things to punish people for that, whether it is or isn't, you know, within their, I was going to say scope of practice. That's more like a medical thing, but like within their rights to do so, or like within their job description, they just kind of do whatever they want. Yeah. And I mean, like we said earlier, they got into this job because they realized that it gives them a lot of power over other people. So anything that they could find that they could do probably just absolutely, you know, Gave them their giddies to do to somebody just because they're pissed off at them, like you said. Goes on to say, qualified immunity shields government officials from financial liability, even if they have violated the Constitution. So long as they have not violated clearly established law, which is kind of weird because the Constitution is supposed to be established law, I thought. but Well, it's supposed to be the law of the land. It's supposed to be the law that the government should go by, but they don't keep their own rules. So they made this new law where qualified immunity can... Uh, shield the government officials, even if they violate the Constitution. We, but, we know that even one of the founding fathers, Thomas Jefferson, violated the Constitution when he put in the Alien and Sedition Act. Or was that? I don't remember who that was. Well, I don't remember if it was Thomas Jefferson or John Adams, but it may have been John Adams. But one of the founding fathers you know, violated the Constitution by creating the Alien and Sedition Act, which you could not criticize the president. Hmm. Yep. And uh, Abraham Lincoln... I don't know if he used the Alien Sedition Act to do this, but he basically was jailing people for 
criticizing the things he was doing and his administration was doing. Abraham Lincoln is a super loved president of the United States, too. Yeah, I mean, he was, he's loved because he kept the union together. But at the same time, he kept the union together by being a tyrant. And using violence. Yeah. He, he may have ended slavery, but that's debatable, too. Yeah, he also didn't. He also bombed, you know, Atlanta, you know, all the way to Savannah. It's crazy. Wow. Um, a lot of people love these government tyrants because they've been dumbed down in public school to believe whatever they need to believe. The government is also making new laws for things that must be taught in public school, and we'll talk about that coming up next. 603-283-6160. Yeah! Radio that you control, 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. If you'd like to call in and be a part of the conversation we're having or bring up whatever is on your mind. Um, and in the studio with you tonight, you've got me, Bonnie. Riley. And Nikki. Sorry about that, Riley. I kind of just went on autopilot. He wasn't exactly ready and in his chair yet. Sorry about that. But yep, it's me, Riley, and Nikki. He made it, though. Yep. <laughs> I sure did. I'm back and ready to go. So we've been talking the last couple hours about mostly about cops, like the FBI. They're cops, too. They're just federal cops. And um, they also have qualified immunity, which means, if you don't know what that means, that they can basically break a whole bunch of laws. They can stand... Uh, you know, trample all over your rights. They can accidentally kill you or purposely kill you and not face any ramifications because, well, they're cops and their job is just so hard that they don't need to be held to the same standard as the average person. And it's really ridiculous. And the article we're talking about here right now is about a group of FBI agents who are trying to use the qualified immunity doctrine to defend themselves in court after putting people on the no-fly list as retaliation for them not wanting to be informants with them, not wanting to work with the FBI. For their religious reasons, too. It's it's so ridiculous. I can't. I really hope that this doesn't go through, that the FBI doesn't get to use this argument and use qualified immunity for this because it's absolutely disgusting what they're trying to do to this group of Muslim people who didn't want to be informants for the FBI because it's against their religion. Well, I, I didn't you know, know the, that. the government loves to be the biggest bully, and when you can get away with it because you are the authoritarian bully on the planet, then you're going to get away with it, and people will just be like, oh, well, it's the, it's the FBI. And whoever is in power, whether it's the Republicans or Democrats, are going to excuse, the, excuse these actions and justify them. And this is really disgusting, even if it's just a statement of fact from this woman, Joanna Schwartz of UCLA School of Law said, according to the Supreme Court, the law is only clearly established if a prior decision has held very similar facts to be unconstitutional. So basically, somebody would have had already taken something to court and the judge would have had to ruled in their favor and then it's clearly established law. And if that hasn't happened, it isn't clearly established law and 
um, the the police officers in the FBI can do that thing and get, you know, not they won't get in trouble because they have qualified immunity because it wasn't, quote, clearly established law. So even if something is against the Constitution, if somebody hasn't taken it to court and used that argument and the judge hasn't ruled on it, then the FBI can get away with it because it isn't, quote, clearly established law. Wow. Unfortunately, in February of this year, the U.S. District Judge Ronnie Abrams agreed with the government. Oh, so this is already over. That really sucks. Yeah, that does suck. Quote, the court therefore construes the right presented by plaintiffs' claims here as the right not to be pressured by law enforcement to inform on members of their religious communities through the coercive retaliatory use of the no-fly list. I'm confused. I'm a little confused. The court construes the right presented by plaintiffs' claim here as the right not to be pressured by law enforcement to inform on members of their religious communities through the coercive retaliatory use of the no-fly list. The court concludes that such a right was not clearly established at the time of the alleged violations. I mean, Hmm. wow. That is interesting. It's really messed up. It says, how are federal agents supposed to know that arbitrarily sticking people who defy them on terrorism watch lists is wrong? After after all, it's just how they get things done. Right. That's how the thugs get things done in Washington. The thing about it is law has nothing to do with morality. It doesn't matter if something is inherently wrong and obvious and any rational person would know it was wrong. It doesn't matter. The cops can get away with it if they... You know, it's not written down in a book somewhere that's clearly established law. I think it's time for secession, really. I mean, I I love bringing this topic up because secession is fascinating to me. I think it's time to break away from the federal government. I think it's time we divorce D.C. as much as possible and govern ourselves as much as possible. Yeah, it seems to me that the federal goons are way worse about trampling on people's rights than even the ones in your own hometown because of the fact that they're less... Um, responsive they're further away they have way more sweeping powers and i agree with riley that we should just break away from dc altogether well and that's the thing so like the united states is so big we have 50 states and a lot of these states are so different like you can't tell me that new hampshire is anywhere close to similar to california or, or hawaii or you hawaii know? Yeah, or, yeah or or washington or utah or arizona i mean we're very different up here. And when you think of like a, a continent like Europe, I mean, the countries are the size of our states, right? So it's it's just impossible to have this many people that are geographically so far away and be able to create a government that is going to work for everybody. Like, it, it's just impossible. And I think if we broke up more and... Like, it's just, I, I think it would be a lot better for everyone involved. But, Nikki, the 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 people might say that if we break up America, we'll, we'll all be at war, we won't get along, and yet, at the same time, you know, whether we become separate countries or not shouldn't have any bearing on whether we get along. Because if you're saying that all of a sudden, if New Hampshire breaks away from the United States, and I'm a pro- proponent of this, and I'm promoting it on a shirt I'm wearing tonight... Yeah. 
if New Hampshire breaks away from the United States and you say, oh, we can't get along with people from New Hampshire anymore, that says a lot more about you than it does us. And I I think um, people's big concern with that is the retaliation of the federal government if we were to secede. And it's like, oh, well, the U.S. is going to declare war on New Hampshire now. Um, I just believe that there would be a way to do it in a peaceful manner where it wouldn't be like, we're going to have a civil war over this. Because I do not think that that is the answer. I don't think so either. I don't think it's a healthy answer. And if D.C. comes after you, it just speaks to the abuse of power of D.C. And how is it? I mean, it makes it it, the point that we should secede if people are afraid of violence just because we want to not be under their control anymore. Yeah. And how is it any different from what's already going on now? You know, like we're already being attacked by the state and by the federal government. Yep. So how is it how is it going to be different? And if you're personally attacked by them, well... They have qualified immunity, according to this judge, and can't, and they, you know, they won't be treated as though they trampled on your rights. So, I just see no real reason to keep them around. I, I mean, I basically, throughout my day to day life, I try not to even think about them. They're all the way in Washington D.C., nowhere near here. You know, like a thousand miles away. Well, I don't know if it's a thousand, but whatever, a lot of miles away. They shouldn't have any bearing on my life, and then yet. Once in a while they do, like they come and they raid your house or they try to get you to be an informant against your friends. Or take your dog from you for a while without you knowing about it. Your what from you? Your dog. Oh, oh yeah, they did that to me. Yeah, I was like, whoa, that's a crazy story. Yeah, well, they did that to me. They just put him in a car, let him run around in the street for a while. Then they put him in a car and wouldn't let me. I wasn't even under arrest. They just had me in handcuffs for no reason. Well, they said I was being restrained until they could find out if there's anything dangerous in my house. Like I had booby traps in my house (laughs) and therefore I couldn't, you know, hold my dog or something like that. Anyways. Wow. It's another story. Well, apparently this is standard practice with the FBI. Um, The Reason Magazine article goes on to say it really is how they get things done. Retaliating against uh, people and putting them on watch lists and stuff like that for not working with them. In 2021, The Intercept's Murtaza Hussein wrote about Oswad Khan's mistreatment by the FBI when he refused to be an informant. That same year, Ahmad Kebli, a U.S. citizen, described a similar ordeal. Quote, agents threatened my family and me, he wrote. They said that if I didn't agree to become an informant, my family would be investigated. My wife and I could be arrested. And my children could get taken away, and my wife's immigration status could be at risk. Is this uh, North Korea? Right. It's starting to sound like it, or it's starting to sound like Germany and before 1930 or 1940. And that's the thing. People act like North Korea is some kind of crazy country, and like stuff like that would never happen here. It is. It's, it's happening, but people aren't talking about it. People aren't being informed about it. People are just like, well, Biden, Biden's a great president. Or whoever, or whoever is, is in power. Or Trump's such a great president. We need Trump to save America. He's working to save us right now. <laughs> he's never dreamed the swamp. He's not saving you. Yep. He didn't do any, well, most of the things that he said he was going to do at all. And um, most of the things he said he was going to do were bad anyway. Yeah. I don't want him to build a wall at the southern border to keep Mexicans out. I don't want him to do most of the things he said he was going to do. <laughs> well, I think that's really, really sad that that guy got threatened with all those things just because he wouldn't agree to become an informant. That's really messed up. And 
Bagai, Chebley, was finally removed from the no-fly list after the ACLU sued on his behalf. That's interesting. So that was already something that happened, and yet in the other case, the FBI wasn't at fault. I don't know. It's kind of weird. Maybe because it was like something civil, sued on his behalf. I don't know. Watch lists aren't supposed to be used this way. In 2014, a federal district judge declared the Byzantine process for people to challenge their inclusion on the no-fly list unconstitutional. So apparently it was like a really hard process to challenge it if you were on the no-fly list, and a federal district judge declared that unconstitutional and ordered better guarantees of due process. But as Kebley's case demonstrates, it's easy for the government to put people on the list and then pull them off years later after they've gone through the hassle and expense of filing a federal lawsuit, if they ever do. With no further consequences, that leaves administrative tools like the no-fly list available for ongoing abuse. And we do have a caller on the line. Caller, you're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind? Hey, thank you for taking my call. This is Tony from Chattanooga. I have a question. When you secede from the U.S. government, does that mean that you don't take any of the government's help? You're just in New Hampshire all by yourself? I mean, yeah, yeah, but, but honestly, New Hampshire is a state that we actually give more to the federal government, financially speaking, than we receive. So essentially, you know, because of all of these other states who aren't contributing as much as, say, New Hampshire is. Um, so we're actually operating at a loss. And I think financially we'd be a lot better off if we didn't have to deal with the federal government. Plus, plus the federal government takes taxes from you. And so when you break away from when you secede from the federal government, you don't have to pay those taxes anymore. Yeah, Tony. Um, okay. So what do you think about that? I think lots of people are getting things like Social Security from the uh, federal government, obviously. But I think overall, people would be saving a lot more money if we weren't paying these taxes. Well, and you know what else? Someone explained to me, and you know, forgive me, I'm not going to be able to explain to you how this is possible. But I have heard from someone else before that there would be a way for people, like if they paid into Social Security or whatever... Um, that there would be a way for them to continue to collect that. Honestly, to me, like that wouldn't make sense that that's a possibility. Oh, wait, it, it, it does. I forgot. That's one thing that yeah. it would happen because people who leave the country and go live in like Germany, they still collect on Social Security, Medicare, whatever they pay okay, into. Okay, so I guess that does make sense then. It would just be new people, like people not yet born wouldn't get it, but they also didn't yeah. pay in, so who cares? I mean, my but- kids wouldn't anyways, because I'm not going to, like, register them and give them a slave card, I mean, a nice. social security card, so they're not going to qualify for any of that anyways, so, like, I don't care so about that. So, the other thing, too, is you know, if people want to have these services, maybe New Hampshire being a smaller government could provide them, but I'm not a fan of government services myself. It could be voluntary, Yeah, even. I mean, such services could still exist. What, do you have any questions, Tony? Yeah, yeah, I I want to I want to know that if you secede from the US government, that means you're not a part of the United States anymore. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Okay. So now when you do that, you do understand that no roads, no electricity, no nothing. Wow. And you have got to sit there and worry while you're trying to 
figure out how to come so up with electricity. Why why would why would we suddenly lose electricity and rats? You better understand. Tony, can you answer the question? Russia can you answer his question, Tony? Riley asked you, why would we why would electricity and roads suddenly disappear if we seceded from the union? You're not a part of the United States. Yeah, but why would we lose our, power? Our electricity doesn't doesn't go as far as as Puerto Rico. Our electricity doesn't yeah, go. Yeah, but as we're far not Puerto Rico. We're Europe. in New Hampshire. So I, I just wanna be clear that the They're US government isn't the only you will have no electricity. No, no okay, listen, you need Absolutely. to you need to stop with that. Can yeah, okay, so the U.S. government so isn't the only supplier of electricity in the entire world. I mean, that's a little ridiculous. There are other ways to get electricity. There are the electrical companies that are currently contracted with the U.S. government right now, and we would still more than likely be able to work with those companies. Um, but instead of us having to go through the state to get it, where essentially they have a monopoly over which electricity companies and utility companies we can work with there would be you know an open market where we could choose different providers so we would actually get cheaper electricity or because there would be competition own, in the market or we could have our own power cells in our own houses like yep. hydrogen fuel cells yep or um solar power um there's also typically the government to you know maintain the roads Again, contracts with local companies. So instead of we're essentially just cutting out the middleman, we're not paying, you know, the state government or the federal government anymore. We are, you know, either pooling our money together through some sort of voluntary tax or maybe having private streets or private roads. Like there are still people who know how to pave the road and know how to fill potholes and stuff like that. So it's kind of ridiculous to to act like. We are dependent on the federal government completely, 100% for all of these things. It, it's really just cutting the middleman out and saving I, us a lot of money and a lot of headache. I actually believe it's the federal government's fault that we aren't able to open the second nuclear plant that was planned in New Hampshire. We already have one nuclear plant, which is a lot of, you know, the ability to pro- provide a lot of electricity. Um, and right now, I don't even believe that the Fed federal government provides those things at all it's the state government and if the federal or the state government is the one keeping us from opening this second nuclear energy plant well it's a lot easier to convince your state government of something that the people want than it is to convince you know entrenched far away uh federal people that we want to open the second plant if we needed more electricity but thank you for the call tony he had some questions about secession. I'm pretty sure we answered them. Hopefully. And uh, I just... If I thought not, was, he can call back tomorrow. Yep. Yeah, I, I thought it was pretty funny that he acted like electricity I th- roads would disappear. I thought he was being sarcastic at first. And then I was like, oh no, this guy is, is Yeah, serious. he was talking about Puerto Rico. And Puerto Rico is another island. New Hampshire is not an island. Yeah, I'm not even sure what he meant when he brought up Puerto Rico. But yeah, that was pretty entertaining. So, going back to this article about the no-fly lists, um, kind of forgot where I had left off, but they said watch lists aren't supposed to be used this way, like, as a way to punish people if they don't work with the federal government. Um, being an informant against their friends is pretty crazy. It says, Chebley's case demonstrates that it's easy for the government to put people on the list and then pull them off years later after they've gone through the hassle and expense of filing a federal lawsuit if they ever do. Which is a good point because some people might not even know that they have the 
right to bring a federal lawsuit. They might just be too scared. A lot of people don't have the money to do that. Like a lot of people can't. A lot of people uh, in this economy, again, thanks to the federal government, a lot of people are living paycheck to paycheck. A lot of people can't even afford like they're behind on their bills right now. They can't afford to buy groceries. And the government the government continues to disincentivize saving by making your money worthless every day. Yeah, exactly. So you think these people have enough money to take, you know, to, uh, you know, hire attorneys and stuff for a court case? I mean, you know, it's just, yeah, it's just not, for some people, yeah, but even then it's like the time and the money that it takes, it's just, yeah, it's really unfortunate. Yeah, even if like the ACLU takes your case or something, it's still taking time from you when you could be working, making money. A lot of people need all of the work they can get. Yeah, and in the meantime, you've gotten your rights infringed. I mean, that's enough, even if it was like, oh, yeah, you know, all of this is going to be resolved, even if, say, you were put on a no-fly list for five years. I mean, that is five years of your life that that right was taken away from you to travel. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and, and the you know, like like we said earlier, the wheels of justice move very slowly in the United States. They sure do. We have another caller on the line. CW from Arizona. What's on your mind? Yes, I agree with that caller. If you guys secede, all the roads and power will just disappear. <laughs> That's crazy. I mean, crazy. I don't understand why like, he it, believes like, that. You won't be able to drive anywhere because the roads will just disappear. <laughs> how That's will they crazy disappear, though? Well, because no one in New Hampshire is smart enough to maintain them. They'll just disintegrate. <laughs> well, then again, I uh, got a text from our producer, Ian, and he said that the federal government doesn't maintain the roads. It's actually already the state government. So this guy's yeah. completely luna- yeah. a lunatic. Yeah. And I don't think they probably have anything to do with like utilities e- either. I, I really don't think I so. I mean, I well, think no, that might even be a county thing. <laughs> there's there's a lot of private companies that'll come out and just work on roads. Uh, yeah. Like, I was just making fun of the guy that thinks everything will just disappear. Like, yeah. right, like what? It, it just, like, disintegrates? Like, what? It just. I thought he was being hy- like, hyperbolic like, at first, but I asked him to answer Riley's question, and he seemed to really believe that it would just go away. Like, we w- just wouldn't have electricity without the federal government, something, something, Puerto Rico. Well, you know, you guys could make your own uh, power, what do you call it, uh, what Texas has. They have, they have their own grid, so. If you guys made your own grid and did not export it to anybody else, you could be self-contained. So. Honestly, I have no clue if New Hampshire has our own grid or what. I think we're connected to a grid that serves Pennsylvania and and Massachusetts and other states like that. Hmm. Well, thank you for the call, CW. Um, yeah, I thought that was a pretty ridiculous call, the one before him, um, saying that the roads and electricity would disappear if we secede. Yeah. And I honestly, like, I value self-sustainability and independence, so I don't even really want to be tied into the grid. Right. You know, I would like to be able to provide electricity for my home. You know, it is nice, don't get me wrong, it is nice to kind of have, like, the collective grid to, like... Uh, back up on just in case something happens to like solar panels or however you're using or, or however you're generating electricity like it is nice to have that backup or if you run out for any sort of reason but it's like I don't want to have to rely on the state for really anything like, and in I- fact didn't we 
didn't Captain Kickass say? I'm not sure because I wasn't on the show. I think I just heard you guys talking. Didn't Captain Kickass say that's actually federal government's laws that keep people from being able to do things like the, um, I forget what they're called, the space houses that you were into? Oh, yeah. Um, the uh, Earth ships. Earth, Earth ships. Isn't it federal government that's making um, it hard to do that in New Hampshire? Maybe. I mean, but it's it's typically like a zoning thing, too, mm-hmm. because, well, you know, it's it has to be approved and it has to typically when you're building a structure, like it has to pass and not really an inspection, but it has to be up to code. That's what they call it. It has to be up to code. Um, so you can't just build a house. So you have to have like, you know, permits. Um, yeah, like permits and you have to have licensed contractors and like all of these people come um, or else it's, you know, they're going to come and tell you, you have to knock your house down. Yeah. So, so it's the same thing with like any kind of house. So here's where I'm at. I don't I don't think people should have to get permission to build a house. But at the same time, you know, there has to be I, I would say that it's it's helpful to have some guidelines on how to make sure your house is safe and livable and make sure it's not gonna collapse on you, you know, things like yeah, that. Uh, but we don't but need I the government for it. Yeah, like I don't think I need to get those regulations from the state. Like if I wanna live in a mud hut. I and like literally, I'm not joking. If I want to live in a mud hut and create it myself, then I should be able to. I mean, I feel like people did that for thousands of yeah. years, and it was fine. Maybe not necessarily only mud huts, but like lean-tos and stuff. What do you think? Uh, what, do you think people should be able to build whatever their house they want and take the responsibility themselves? Six zero three two eight three six one six zero. This has been Free Talk Live. or bring up whatever's on your mind. 603-283-6160. In the studio with you tonight, it's me, Bonnie. Riley. And Nikki. And in the last segment, we were talking to a caller who wanted to know what would we do without the government because, or without the federal government in our state because, you know, electricity would disappear and so would the roads, they would just disappear. Well, I think that the government's way too involved in our lives to begin with, even down to the... I mean, not just the federal, but also the state government, even down to the level of raising people's kids and deciding what they can do during pregnancy and making decisions for their bodies. I have an article we're going to talk about that is about the government making laws requiring climate change content to be taught in K through 12 education. And Nikki has an article here about what, Nikki? So uh, this is from Reason.com. Alabama woman jailed for two months for using CBD oil while pregnant. Yes, that's right, folks. CBD oil? <laughs> CBD oil, oil. does not get you high. Yeah. So for people <laughs> that don't know, uh, CBD is the property in marijuana that essentially, you know, just to simplify it, like that's where most of the healing properties come from. So it's basically like all of the the healing, calming, relaxing properties Without really being mind altering, I think at the, the very most it would maybe make you tired. Um, but it's not like the THC 
which is the part of the, the psychoactive. Yeah, it's the psychoactive part of the marijuana plant. So these these moms weren't even getting high. They were just trying to use it maybe for anxiety, maybe for depression. You know, there's there's a bunch of medicinal purposes for CBD. Um, and I, you know, I'm just going to say it. I think using CBD would be better than being on antidepressants while you're pregnant. Right. I, I would mean, agree with that. You know, I think CBD would be far better than, I mean, it comes from a plant. For I mean, CBD sake. doesn't have side effects up to and including death. Yeah, and it's, you know, really, with a lot of doctors in a lot of states, there just hasn't been enough research done, um, particularly with CBD and marijuana use in pregnancy. And and the reason why there's not a lot of research is because they find it unethical to have women doing this, which really, women are already doing this. You just need to study and see what the end results are. Um, And I have had experience kind of conducting my own research studies, not really, just very passively, just observing. Um, And it seems to not really harm infants. You know, I can't tell you detailed long-term effects of IQ, health, anything like that. But it it just, you know, I can tell you a lot of these antidepressants that are being approved for pregnancy absolutely um, have lasting effects. And I think they, I would just speculate that they're a lot worse um, than CBD. If I had to go back in utero... And I had to choose between my mom being on antidepressants or CBD. I would choose CBD very quickly yeah. in a heartbeat. Yeah. Um, so in Etowah County, Alabama, has charged hundreds of pregnant women and new mothers with chemical endangerment over minor drug offenses. In one Alabama con- county, women who admit to using marijuana during pregnancy often find themselves charged with a felony. Etowah County in northeastern Alabama charges more women with chemical endangerment than any other county in the state. Until recently, these women were often only granted release from jail on the condition that they either enter rehab. Yes, that's right. Rehab for marijuana, despite not being addicted to drugs. (laughs) In 2006, Alabama enacted a chemical endangerment law. designed to punish parents who allow their children near meth labs. All right, I mean, maybe I can get down with that. However, in the years since the law's passage, Etowah County law enforcement officials have used it to throw women in jail for months over minor drug offenses. And that just puts on display all the problems with laws in general. Yeah. Even if there's a law you think, you know, that's actually a pretty good law. We don't want kids messing around with meth labs. Well, look at this. Now it's being used against moms who use CBD while pregnant. What What's worse for a kid to have their mom use CBD or to have their mom taken away from them for two months? Yeah. And I mean, um, yeah. having them having the mom taken away for two months is far worse than the mom using CBD. Absolutely. And, and also, I mean, prenatal depression and anxiety and postpartum and uh, depression and anxiety like those are very real things. There's a lot of, uh, you know, hormone fluxes during this period. And I I just think it's like if if a woman is using CBD oil, um, which is, you know, based on the research we have so far, pretty much harmless. And some doctors would even recommend women take CBD oil in pregnancy. You know, so something as benign as a CBD oil or even THC or marijuana, I mean... 
if that helps someone not go into postpartum psychosis and murder their children, mm-hmm. like I would want them to have access to that. Um, and just the fact that they're being imprisoned for smoking weed, even if it is while they're they're pregnant or whatever, I just like like you guys both said, it is way worse to have to lose your parent for several months than to be exposed to a little bit of marijuana in utero. Do you, do you know, does it say if this mom went to jail for two months before or after the baby was born? I, it seems like it was after, but um, I can continue and see if we get any more details here. So uh, women who aren't even addicted to drugs have often found themselves trapped in jail, unable to be released until they go to rehab, yet denied entry by drug treatment facilities because of their lack of addictions. Hmm. Um, uh, wow. So I have a little bit of experience with this, and I will let you know, like... If someone came to rehab or the hospital because they were using marijuana, they would probably get laughed at because especially nowadays where it's legal in most states or at least, you know, it's very casual and not really enforced. I mean, no, no drug detox is going to you don't detox off of marijuana. That's absolutely ridiculous. And it seems like it would be taking beds away from people who really need it. Yeah, Meth I mean, addicts and stuff. Seriously. So Amanda Bradley was arrested in 2021 after she tested positive for THC after giving birth. Bradley says she had been using CBD oil to cope with chronic pain and had no idea the oil could cause a positive drug test. The CBD oil they sold at the store. I didn't know it would make me fail for marijuana. Bradley told AL.com. It seemed like a natural safe option. That's why I did it. I didn't know you could get in trouble for stuff you bought from the store. So this yeah. poor girl had absolutely no clue that this was going to happen, you know, very unintentionally. And whatever, you know, maybe, you know, maybe she's lying. Maybe she was smoking a little bit of pot. Even so, I mean, come on. Who would think that that'd be something they would put you in jail for? That really yeah. surprises was me. Was the child today. harmed at all? I doubt it. Um, See, that's the point is if the child was not harmed, then why should the parent be locked in a cage? Well, I wonder if she even uh, defended herself or just went, well, I'm taking a plea deal because, you know, well, they tested me and I got, you know, she could have went to court and used that defense that there was no harm. But uh, she might have taken a plea deal because I'm not not, like blaming the victim here. I'm just saying that a lot of people don't know that they can take things to court like that. So Bradley couldn't be released unless she entered. Oh, I just uh, read that. I went back and ended up redoing the assessment and telling them I shoot up and all kinds of stuff to get into rehab and it worked. Oh, my gosh. So she went and lied just to get into rehab. Well, if it's the only way to get yourself not further abused by these psychopaths in government, I don't really blame her, but. Ultimately, she spent two months in jail and six months, six months at a drug treatment center. Oh, my God. Just for CBD oil. Oh, my gosh. People don't even go to rehab that long for like heroin addiction. Like typically most um, like treatment programs are 30 to uh, 90 days. I've never heard of like six months. Well, that's crazy. She did have to lie. So maybe she... Lied a little too hard and said she was like doing I, a bunch of things I, at once. I don't know. Or... I've heard of people doing crazy stuff and only going for 30 days. Mm. Oh, that's terrible. So another woman, Chelsea Stewart, was arrested on a misdemeanor marijuana charge in 2019. 
She told AL.com that she stopped smoking after this arrest. However, she still tested positive during a random drug test several weeks later. By that point, Stewart found out she was pregnant, so she had no clue before this point. Hmm. Stewart was taken to jail, and after a month, she was released to a halfway house. This is just so laughable that they're treating marijuana like it's heroin. It's not heroin. I mean, yeah, maybe some people react to marijuana differently. Maybe people have allergic reactions. Maybe people who are prone to psychosis might go into psychosis, but still, it's just... I'm sorry. I don't know anyone who has had, like, legitimate, serious physical withdrawal symptoms from marijuana. I don't know anyone who has prostituted themselves or, um, you know, stolen from their families to buy weed. Like, I don't know anyone who's done that, and those are, like, token things that a lot of drug addicts will do yeah. To get the heroin, fentanyl, crack, whatever that they're doing. Um, you know, no one's doing that this is for just weed. What a police state Alabama still is and why I would not want to live in a place like that. It's crazy. And it's just like that those like conservative overtones that are making it like this. Yep, like people there, I guess, just haven't I mean not anyone, obviously some people, but most people there haven't come to the realization that it's not that dangerous. It's really surprising to me, though, because, like, all of my family almost in Alabama, except my parents, smoke weed. Yeah. I don't know. But there's just a lot of, like, super Christian people, mm-hmm. super old people. Yeah, they better not get caught. So <laughs> uh, Amanda told AL that she has never used a substance stronger than marijuana, yet she was forced to pay for an unnecessary stay at the halfway house, so they even made her pay for it. Wow. I spent more than $3,000 on that. Whoa. I could have been saving for my daughter. I could have been saving for anything, and I wasn't. In total, 257 pregnant women and new mothers were arrested for chemical endangerment between 2015 and January 2023 in Etowah County. According to the AL.com, Three quarters of people arrested for chemical endangerment, of which 93% are women, were too poor to hire an attorney. So, like, this is this is where it is. Because even if people know their rights and know they can fight these things, if they can't hire an attorney, um, and, you know, one can be given to you, but I think you still have to pay a little bit for that. Like, I think it's, like, a discounted. Well, even if you right? don't. I can't remember. It's like. They can suck, and you can keep saying, oh, I want a new one. Yeah, like, there's just so many things here. And I'm surprised that 93% of the people being uh, persecuted for this are women. Well... I don't know, because of the chemical endangerment, I guess mainly it's going to be, like, pregnant pregnant women. women, yeah. Yeah, well, I just think it's really disgusting, and this article really showcases the idea that the government are a bunch of parasites. Like, these are people that... They aren't saving money for their newborn child. That The government didn't do anything to help the newborn child or the mother. All they did was actually harm them. And yeah. the thing is, the government is actually profiting off of this. Yeah. The government isn't just, you know, some third party that isn't being affected anyway. No, they're actually profiting off of this while making this new mother poor and unable to save for her child. That's just a heartbreaking story. The and thing, the thing disgusting. too is, I mean, I could understand the concern if it was alcohol, but marijuana is less dangerous than alcohol. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think the big reason why they can get away with this, I mean, they can really get away with whatever they want, but I think the big reason is because there hasn't been enough 
studies done on marijuana specifically, you know, the the effects in utero. So, and like I said, like they can do whatever they want either way. But I think if there is more concrete evidence that it is safe for women to be doing in pregnancy, then maybe things will change a little bit. But um, what what incentive does the, does the government have to make sure they're scientifically none. up to date? They don't. They, it, it would actually make them lose money. But, but the they... thing is, when someone um, is, you know, presenting a bill, if they have like either doctors to back them up and speak, you know, at the hearing or whatever they do, and they have research studies to cite that does make it a little bit more likely that it will get passed. Um, but if you just have a bunch of old conservative guys, it, it doesn't matter what sort of concrete evidence you have. If they don't like people smoking pot, they don't like people smoking pot and they're not going to pass it. Yep, yeah, And obviously so. those people don't represent the people they're supposed to represent. They are representing their own interests there. A lot of them are going to be like, well, the cops said this and I want to support the cops. And of course, there's always going to be a cop who's getting paid to go testify at the bill. And he'll go there and say, listen, we need this because we need marijuana. They will literally say this. I've heard this in New Hampshire. They'll say that we need drugs to be illegal because it's where we get a lot of money. Drug ar- arrests. It's just I, I can't even believe that they just openly admit that. Like, that is not how this is supposed to work. Yeah, it's really not. I mean, if they're committing a crime while intoxicated, I can understand the concern. But the thing is, no one's committing a crime while intoxicated. Yep. Um, on marijuana... If no one is harmed and you're just you just smoke some marijuana and you have a baby inside of you, I don't see any harm. Yeah, I really don't either. Um, so the article continues to say, however, the situation does seem to be improving slightly. Following reporting last year, Etowah County no longer requires pregnant women to attend and pay for rehab in order to get out of jail. Even without medical uh, mandated rehab, Etowah County law enforcement are still using the state's chemical endangerment law to unnecessarily punish women for minor drug offenses. They are the most zealous prosecutors and sheriff's department we have encountered anywhere across the country, one attorney told, told AL.com. Hmm, they must be making a lot of money off of this. Yeah, absolutely. So that's that's it for this article, but... Yeah, it's really sad. Like, it's just sad to think about families being ripped apart like this for something as silly as, you know, using CBD while you're pregnant. I mean, it's just... I mean, I didn't... It's really sad. I honestly didn't know that CBD will make you... Um, I'm going to be honest. Test. I really don't think it will. Hmm. Um, because they're testing for THC, so... Uh, it it maybe is a possibility that whatever CBD oil she had would have a uh, slight amounts of THC in it. I don't think I think you'd have to be taking a lot for it to show up on a drug test. Um, so I think maybe she might have been. I don't want to accuse her of lying, but my point is, even if she was, she still didn't deserve to go to jail and have to go to rehab. And lie about her substance use history. Right. Like now it's on record that she's saying, yeah, I'm shooting up and doing all of this other things. Yeah. And like just Alabama she was, yes, could yeah, use that against her. Exactly. Like she was just desperate and she was doing whatever she needed to do to get back to her child. Like she was, you know, in fight or flight mode, like trying to protect her child and herself. And like it is just so 
so sad that people have to lie and be inauthentic and just get harassed by the state. I mean, it's just really sad for something as silly as smoking pot. And, and that's crazy. a great example of somebody who is, uh, you know, they're a target of the parasite class. They, they've they been abused. That's what I meant to say. They're an abused victim of the parasites calling themselves government. Um, it opens them up to more abuse. So first, she got put into prison for uh, apparently having CBD in her system. And then she had to lie to the rehab in order to get into rehab because the government told her she needed to get into rehab to get out of jail. And then CPS comes. Oh, well, we have this on record now. You're going to be on this list or whatever. I mean, it can just keep going on and on from there. And most people don't understand that because they didn't get uh, they didn't become the victim of, you know, the cops even once. So, you know, they just see this woman who well, what, why would you tell the, why would you tell the, uh, rehab that if it wasn't true? And then obviously if the cops are going after you this many times, you must be guilty of something. And, oh, you're on a list with CPS. You're just a bad parent. You know, they don't understand how these things can spiral down and ruin people's lives. And it's really sad. I don't think we need them at all because in a society where we didn't have people whose job it was to put people in jail and who made money off of putting people in jail then I think most of us would agree that marijuana isn't something that is harming the child inside of a woman's body, even actual THC, but definitely not CBD. I mean, I'd like to see more studies on that, but, you know, I definitely I definitely think that a woman should take responsibility for her child and decide what she wants to put in her body and be careful. And so that's it's not medical advice to say, hey, smoke some weed if, if you're pregnant, but, you know. And, you know, there is, it is so complex, like prenatal nutrition and, you know, cause obviously like this is my field. So I, I do a lot of work with women who are trying to get pregnant, um, you know, just detoxing their body and preparing themselves and making sure they're not malnourished, you know, like they're, they're fueling their body with dense nutrients and that kind of carries in to pregnancy and then the postpartum period. So there are so many, you know, things that people don't even think about, like environmental toxins, you know, using plastic. Like there are so many little things that women have to be careful about, Um, you know, pesticides on their food, like so many things. Um, And I just think that marijuana to me personally would be lower on the list. So there, there are just a lot of things that we are exposed to that in some of them are out of our control that could possibly harm ourselves and our unborn children while they're in utero. Um, so I, I don't know. It just it seems completely ridiculous to me because like we're not prosecuting women for eating processed foods. Like you know, oh your kid you know has all of these uh, health defects because you were a vegan while you were pregnant and you were malnourished or obese like those, people. Yeah, like those or, people aren't or getting you're prosecuted. Eating too many Doritos. You need to prosecute you. Yeah. yeah, like that's the thing, and it's like a lot of people might not believe in this, and maybe doctors don't even back it up. But like what you are consuming while you're pregnant, like all of that, really does affect your kid. Yeah, Melanie, the um, lady who used to be on the show, the our ex-host Melanie, who went and turned state evidence against Ian and lied in uh, federal court. Apparently, I heard from a witness that she was eating like four McDonald's cheeseburgers, two large fries, two large drinks while pregnant with her first child, and nobody came and put her in jail. Which is not a good thing, actually. I don't think it's no. a good thing. I mean, she's like a like exhibit A 
obese patient. Like, yeah. And I mean, like, yeah, I, I think almost, you know, so I'm like very strict on like what I will like no corn syrup, no seed oils, no artificial flavorings or food colorings, anything like that. But I think it's almost worse based on my experience working as a doula and, you know, a student midwife. It's almost worse to be malnourished. Like a lot of the vegan women that I've taken care of, like they've had their children have had birth defects. Hmm. They've had serious complications in birth. So like it's almost worse to be nutrient deficient. Wow. And yet the cops are focused on women taking CBD while pregnant. What yeah. do you think about that? 603-283-6160. This is Free Talk Live. It's talk radio that you control. 603-283-6160. That's the number to call. If you'd like to get in on our conversation, bring up whatever is on your mind. It doesn't matter. You can talk about whatever you want. It's free talk live. 603-283-6160. And in the studio with you tonight, it's myself, Bonnie. Riley. And Nikki. And we were just talking about the government getting involved with mother's decisions to use CBD and marijuana while pregnant. And that's obviously a government infringement on people's choice to raise their kids the way they want. Um, I would like so I kind of touched upon like right at the end of the segment about um, some of the possible risks of being malnourished or specifically the risks of eating a vegan diet while being pregnant. Mm -hmm. I just want to provide a book for any of the listeners who would like to hear more information about that. There's a book called Real Food for Pregnancy by Lily Nichols. She is like a holistic nutritionist, basically. Um, And she, it is an excellent book. It is really, it is actually one of the books that caused me to stop being a vegan Mm -hmm. um, because I never really knew about some of the essential nutrients like choline that you can't really get from other like plant-based sources or how like, you know, plant-based iron is actually really hard for your body to convert and absorb. So like there, these were things I didn't really know about. And I really enjoy her book because she cites um, a lot of like real case studies and research studies, Cochrane reviews. That's what it's called, Cochrane reviews, where they take a bunch of different studies about the same thing and kind of analyze all of them. And it's just a really good way to get more credible statistics and information. So I really enjoyed that book. It's Real Food for Pregnancy by Lily Nichols. Um, I think, honestly, like anyone could benefit from the book. Yeah, I'm considering I, I would love it. to hear, you know, it, obviously it's more geared for like fertility and pregnancy and like women specific, but at least like the first few chapters just goes over nutrition in general. And I would love to find a comparable book that is just about nutrition in general. I'm sure there is one. Um, it, it's kind of like these 
it's becoming a little bit more mainstream. I, I've seen a lot of it more recently, but it's it's people speaking out about the the health guidelines that the government is or the what is the USDA. You know, they're saying like things like, oh, seed oils are healthy and, you know, and you should even butter. Butter is terrible. For yeah. You. Like babies, babies should be eating cereal. Oh, my goodness. Please do not give your baby cereal when they're six months old. They cannot digest that and they can't process that. And it actually does give them food allergies and sensitivities or the fact that like the majority of our diet is supposed to be carbohydrates and like other processed foods. You know, there are like so many things like this that are becoming disproven and it's just so refreshing to read a book that has like actual scientific evidence to back it up um i'd say a great one not having read the book you're talking about but a great one that's about um nutrition in general that taught me so much uh, especially about how the usda just puts these things out based on faulty science and how there is now much better science to go off of to show that like, oh, actually butter is a lot better for you than margarine made out of soy oil Um, is Deep Nutrition by Kate. um, Well, it's Dr. Kate. Uh, If you type in Deep Nutrition, Kate, it'll pop up. I forgot her name. Buchanan. Dr. Kate Buchanan. That one is great. It actually has some whole chapters that I found just as interesting, even though I'm never going to have a baby, about nutrition during pregnancy as well. I didn't know until I read this book about just how much it takes out of your body to have a baby. Like, even just the fact that, like, if you're going to have another baby after you just had one, like, you need to give yourself some time to re-up on nutrients because it takes so much out of your body. I imagine so. I mean, you're raising another human. Right. Growing one. and Even breastfeeding. I Mm -hmm. mean, like, just having to create breast milk. I mean, it, it takes a lot. Like, you need to drink more water. And a lot of the times, like, if you are, if you don't have an abundance of a lot of these nutrients, it'll actually be stripped from your own body. So that's why we see a lot of women postpartum who lose their hair. They look really pale. Like, they just overall look really sick because they're not eating enough. And I think women don't realize how much more you have to eat while you're breastfeeding and while you're healing just from being pregnant and giving birth, you know, I, and all the blood you lose. I mean, yeah, like it, red meat and and especially beef liver, like things like that, like really rich, nutrient-dense foods are so important for everybody and especially pregnant women that are healing from childbirth. And I think it's really sad because like basically I think that like Instagram and things like that basically propagandize women to be malnourished like Mm -hmm. i accidentally came across a lot of information that made me stop thinking meat is just bad for you um and when i first saw it i was like so skeptical i was like what's up with these cringy girls called the strong sisters on instagram like they run a farm and they talk about how good meat is for you and i was like ew what what am i even looking at and i like kept watching their videos like to cringe and then i was like wow i kind of am like learning a lot of stuff and and I found out about all the good things that like the things that you can't get from a plant-based diet that you can get yeah. from like red meat like I think it's K2 is a vitamin that it has two different forms and yeah you can get one form from it from plant of it from plants but the more bioavailable form you can only get from yeah um meat and another one um vitamin A which retinol 
So you can get beta carotene from plants, but your body doesn't absorb it and process. Mm. Like it's not the full form of vitamin A. And there, there are so many things like that. And I, I guess just to really quickly give some of my background, I was a vegetarian since I was eight years old, um, vegan for like on and off for like 15, 16, 17 years. And it was just recently when I started studying midwifery, started becoming a fertility coach. Uh, and I like, don't get me wrong. Like I was heavily bought into the vegan propaganda and I really did not want to believe I mean I had been a vegan for or vegetarian at least for so long like I did not want to believe this is true but I also you know didn't want to be so naive to believe that I'm like all-knowing so I I leaned in with curiosity I read a lot of different books on you know in the beginning it was like both sides of the argument I'm like I really want to understand the the vegan argument and I really want to understand that more like omnivore classic um, argument and what I kind of found was like the vegans like didn't really have a lot of legit scientific evidence to back them up like they had some um, and it was mainly ethical arguments which I could totally get down with because I was a vegan for ethical reasons but it got to the point where I'm like as a woman of childbearing age that is planning on having children, it is unethical for not only myself, but for my children. I mean, we're seeing lower IQ scores mm. in children that are born to vegan mothers. We are seeing, you know, like we are seeing birth defects. I mean, just in my personal practice, like working in birth, I mean, I've never attended a birth with a vegan mother who didn't have some sort of complication or her child didn't have some sort of serious birth defect. And, and this, I'm like being serious right now. And like, I did not want this to be true, but it is. This is really interesting to me because I hear the vegan diet touted as such a great thing for the environment, as such a great thing for your body. We're not supposed to be eating meat. We're supposed to be eating plants. And yet, and they also say, oh, well, you're killing something to live. Yet everything kills something to live. Right. Like even farming, like if you farmed a big soy field, you'd be killing rats and snakes and bugs and stuff like that. There's no possible way to live without killing other things. And that is one of the things that helped me realize because I also kind of bought into this whole ethical argument. And one of the things is I no longer believe that animals have like the same exact rights as humans. And that might sound kind of mean to some people, but I just think that you have to be able to defend your own rights to have like the same rights. And and the other thing is, I think that there are levels of consciousness. I don't believe I I think you see a squirrel on the side of the road. You see a dog on the side of the road. Why do people react so differently? Why don't you go like, oh, my God, let's go get that squirrel. See if it has a house. It's just as cute as a dog. Like sometimes it can be just as cute as a dog. Yeah. I think it's because people innately know that there's a difference in consciousness between a dog and a squirrel. I mean, maybe. I think a lot of it has to do with like cultural conditioning. Um, But for me, it got to the point where I was like, I'm malnourished. Like I feel substantially more like I feel like my brain is finally functioning at full capacity. And it got to the point where I was like, I love animals. And when I do eat meat, Or when I do consume dairy or eggs, like I am only purchasing that from local farms because one, it's healthier and two, it's more ethical and more humane. Like I want to make sure. And the animals are not being mistreated. And even even when they're they're killed, they're done. It's done in a humane way. Yeah. In in a way that the people doing the animal, the people taking care of the animals are grateful for what the animals are going to provide. And so just, hey, we're just killing the, the animals just to, you know, 
kill the animals and live and, better lives. Like yeah. they're yeah. just like put into some sardine can their whole lives and barely get to move around. I mean, that, that's the thing. People often get stuck on. Well, it's obviously immoral to keep or to eat animals because of the way they're treated but you don't have to buy it from these uh yeah. like feed stocks or whatever they call well, it and that's the thing like you can because that's like the factory farming model right. right and like that's what i was like the, the these videos i was seeing online were absolutely horrific and disgusting and that and it I, is you know and that's why i was like no i'm a vegetarian i was literally eight years old when i came across these videos hmm. and that that was it i was like i'm never eating meat ever again and i lasted that way until i was about 25 and then um, now that I'm kind of seeing the whole picture of the situation, like even my vegetables, like I try to get everything from local farmers, uh, you know, because it's supporting my local community. It's supporting the local economy. It's more ethical. It's healthier. Like there are so many benefits. So I feel like if we're just more mindful and also like on the spiritual side, like thanking the animals, like you know, taking that practice, like saying grace or just yeah, like thanking. Absolutely. Thank them for their yeah. life. Thank, they, thank right. them for the life they gave so that we may eat. Yeah. And like all of the food, right? Like, thank you for the farmers that picked these cherry tomatoes for me. Like, thank you for the the delivery. You know, like get specific and just like have that mindful practice. Like for me, that's something that really has helped me. Because like, listen, this was a really big struggle for me. I was a vegetarian for a very long time. Uh, and it was really, really difficult. And that's why I kind of wanted to share this on the show because it was really difficult for me. And I know some people might be going through like this awakening and it can be challenging. And I just want to tell people like you can do it in a way where you still feel good about yourself and you you still feel like you're being as ethical as possible while still nourishing yourself and taking care of yourself, um, you know, and taking care of your family. So it, it is possible. So. <laughs> I just wanted that like inspirational message for recovering vegans. In either way, it should be up to the person who is doing the eating to decide how they're going to eat and what they should put in their body. The difference between Nikki and I and some people that have really strong beliefs on uh, what people should eat is I would never say that the government needs to mandate that people can't eat from factory farmed food or from, um, you know, soy fields or something like that <laughs> i think that people should be able to make their own choices and if the government got out of the way people would do things like oh you know what it's really unethical to buy from tyson so i'm going to buy from this other one instead and that's how we would get rid of things like factory farm food to begin with or but, if they want to consume raw milk that's totally fine too yeah it's crazy to me that in some states raw milk is it's terrible illegal yeah. and then if, like if you look at the like actual research a lot of pasteurized milk has more unsanitary practices, like mm. when they're packaging it. So like even on a, um, you know, the argument like, oh, but the bacteria count, first of all, the bacteria count in raw milk, like the bact- kinds of bacteria in raw milk actually help to build your microbiome. And a lot of them are very good for you. See, all I hear about from people who are advocating not drinking raw milk and drinking pasteurized milk is, oh, there's bacteria that are going to kill you in raw milk. You've yeah. got to save people from that. Yeah, and um, a lot of people also don't know this. You can technically drink spoiled raw milk, hmm. um, and there's different ways to use it. So it's not really spoiled. It's just sour. Sour, that's what you would call it. So it, it can actually be safe if you do it correctly. And if, you know, if you've never done it before, maybe ease your way into it. Don't drink like an entire gallon of sour milk because you will maybe vomit and have other symptoms. 
But if you do that with pasteurized milk, you will actually like there's no health benefits to drinking spoiled um, or it's, it's not even really sour at that point. It is spoiled pasteurized milk like you will just get sick. There's no benefits of it. Whereas the raw milk like because it's a living it's a it's a living food. Yeah, when you're drinking pasteurized milk, it's been killed. It's, it's dead. Been yeah, brought up to like 180 degrees or something like that, and uh, the stuff inside of it's dead, and the actual cellular structure is messed up. That's what she talks about in Deep Nutrition. Um, the reason seed oils and the reason burnt meat and the reason pasteurized milk are bad for you is because they get into your body, and your body can't figure out. what to do with it because it's not shaped the way it's supposed to be shaped anymore. It's damaged physically. And that's what, when it goes into your body and causes all kinds of inflammation and uh, the inflammation is basically explosions um, type level damage inside your body at the cellular level. And um, yeah. I mean, mean, would you pasteurize your breast milk before you give it to your infant? hmm. Like people, like you tell people that and they're like, oh my gosh, that's ridiculous. I would never do that. Well, it's kind of the same, like, you know, Obviously, it is different, but it just not very much comes back to um, buying things from places that you trust the sources. I mean, there could definitely be a raw milk farm that didn't give a crap and uh, did disgusting practices, didn't wash their tubes in between going to the next cow or whatever and got you sick. But um, so could pasteurized milk. So it just comes down to buying local. And sometimes you can even use Bitcoin to buy your local milk and uh, uh, what's the word meats in New Hampshire, if you know the right people. But I think you should be able to make whatever decisions for yourself and your family um, without the government getting involved. But not every state understands that. Apparently, there are laws that are requiring climate change content in K-12 education Um following a push from colleges now. Wow. It's, so before we get into the article, whether you're pro or against climate, whether you believe that climate change is real or whether you're, you don't, it's important to understand that there needs to be both sides of the argument presented in the education system. So people know how to look at data and think for themselves. Well, before we get into the article, we actually have a caller named Chad from Minnesota. Chad, you're on the yeah. air. Yeah, Chad from Michigan. Michigan, sorry. Uh, yeah, being a vegetarian is terrible for you. I was for a couple of years, and I felt like crap. It was felt really good to start eating meat again. What changed your mind? But, um, I couldn't gain any weight. Hmm. Uh, I got down to like 150 pounds, and I would just eat plates full of vegetables and tons of nuts and all the plant-based protein I could get, and then still felt like crap. So, but... I was actually calling tonight because I just wanted to remind everyone it is the fourth anniversary of Jeffrey Epstein not killing himself. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. wow. And, Thanks for the uh, reminder. I forgot. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, and we still don't have a single client of Epstein's that has been prosecuted for anything. So I just wanted to point that out before the end of the show because I think it's an important anniversary. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for the call today. I, I find that story so weird there was a guy named Jeffrey Epstein who was getting, um, conv- not convicted, but charged with, I don't exactly know what charge he was getting charged with, but basically he was, uh, the claim was that he was letting people be pedophiles on an island he lived on and even 
uh, or, you know, that he owned and even blackmailing politicians and, and powerful people um, by letting them be pedophiles on the island. And that was the suspicion. And then he was on in this very high security prison where there was cameras on him at all times. The camera that was in his cell malfunctioned and then he hung himself in his cell and died and well all that swept under the rug now and a a bunch of the documents that come out have gotten you know redacted by the judges so we still don't know which powerful people he was apparently letting be pedophiles at his island i mean we kind of do though because they did have the client list right so we at least can i think that's what we don't have about some of them they have fly lists so yeah you can make assumptions okay yeah yeah i i don't know for sure because i'm not like as into this story as a lot of people i just take it for granted i'm positive that politicians and powerful people are using the government to get away with terrible crap that the average person wouldn't because what else would you use the government for if you're a parasite and a freak who wants to rape children who wants to do all kinds of immoral things you'd want to be part of the government so that way they can protect you from any liability protect you from the average person who would want to kill you if they knew what you were doing but you want to make sure you pay off the right people otherwise someone's going to come after you yep so i mean it is disgusting that if if there was any kind of evidence that things like that were happening that's just getting swept under the red rug and i mean lots of people have the theory that he didn't kill himself because it's just too much of a coincidence the camera just malfunctioned right when it would have caught him hanging himself i just don't believe it no too many coincidences and you know we've seen this before where like the lead investigator, you know, mysteriously dies and anyone that gets in the way of their safety or their agenda is being taken out. Well, we have another caller on the line. Skeeter in California, you're on the radio with us. What's on your mind? Oh, my God. Thank you, Bonnie, for taking my call. You're welcome. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you guys were talking about secession and making uh, bad points again. Um, first, like um First, uh, secession is dumb. That's why I support it as an accelerationist, right? Wait, what did you um, say? But you, Sorry, I didn't hear what you said secession. before you said dumb. <laughs> secession is so dumb that uh, I support it. Why it's do you believe it's secession. dumb? Uh, first, you violate the NAPS. Second, it's hip- hypocritical because you free-ride national defense by staying in the U.S. Can you d- Third, explain why it uh, violates the NAP? The non-aggression The non-aggression principle. principle. Thank you, Riley. Because you've... Because you forced dissenters and non-voters into a different regime that they didn't consent to. But what if people get to vote? Second, what if people get well, to that, vote on leaving the nation? And what if they, they don't. get? It's uh, it's you don't have that right to vote uh, according to the Supreme Court. But, I don't uh, care second, what the what if that gets Supreme turned Court over? says. Oh, okay. Well, let's just say that that gets overturned, and, and then people have a vote. Would you support it, it then? You're. Uh, don't you guys, aren't you guys against voting because it forces dissenters into what you want? Like, I just, I just don't care. I do whatever I want. We're all and, being forced you know. into the federal government, so yep, it's really no different, is it? You're forcing them and you're forcing them into a different, them and their property into a different regime. 
You're forcing a different. They're not being forced into a different regime. They would still be under the same regime they're under. Sununu, the mayor of, uh, I mean, the government or governor of New Hampshire, they just wouldn't be able to subject me to the regime I don't want to be subjected under. Or you know, the voters who voted. I I honestly don't think voting is the best way to do it. I think that it should just be done. If you want me to be honest, they want to to be under the federal umbrella, the national defense. That's not a right. You realize that's not a a non-aggression principle because it's not a right, correct? Because if it was a right for you to subject me and everyone in the geological area to the government you want, excuse me, I'm talking like you can't even let me get to a point before you start just saying things. That's obvious evidence that you're not listening. And um, it doesn't make for good radio. So I muted him. So is it a right to subject your neighbors to the government you want? You can totally be under the government uh you want but the idea of subjecting your neighbors is not a right what do you think about uh, that skeeter yeah all you have to do is move away and nope. don't force the, just either or you can cluster into a, uh, a geographical area make your own little county and then and then do because the, the government has a reason to war with you if you Oh, I didn't mean to actually do that. My dog barked and scared me while my hand was on the drop button, so I dropped him off the um, radio. I wish Ian would come get the dog from barking because somebody keeps knocking at the door. But anyways, um, what was he saying? Right he was, he was sorry, talking sorry, about Skeeter. why, why Ske- Skeeter was talking about why we should... Oh, you can just leave. You can just leave, yeah, right? Yeah, just leave. You can just leave and You don't have to be under county, any federal but, you know, government if you why, leave. This is why... Those of us who want freedom move to New Hampshire so we can live free. We can live free. We can choose to exit the United States if we so choose. I don't know what's going to happen in my lifetime, but I'd rather be free to find out. And I think that the more people that move here who want that to happen, uh, the better chance we have. So the Free State Project, you can look it up. This has been Free Talk Live. Thank you guys for all of your calls and discussions, and we'll be back tomorrow. If you want to move to the free state and you're looking for some real estate, well, I know a guy who's really great. It's the Realtor Mark Warden. Now you can learn more about the awesome things happening here in New Hampshire in our march toward liberty in our lifetime. Our friends at Porcupine Real Estate are hosting a series of webinars to educate you on the expanded freedoms enjoyed by New Hampshire citizens. Reserve your seat today at move.freetalklive.com. Topics include gun freedom, medical freedom, and political freedom victories. They also have a couple on best practices for moving to the free state and finding housing. These webinars are super helpful and free to attend once you've registered at move.freetalklive.com. Visit their YouTube channel, Porcupine Real Estate, for videos from past presentations and sign up for upcoming webinars for free at move.freetalklive.com. Porcupineralestate.com